Hey everybody, welcome to the Fugitive Frames Film Podcast. It's just me and Dan today. I'm Marvin and Dan's... I'm Dan. Dan's Dan. Uh, yeah, we keep, dro- we keep dropping people... <laughs> With every new we like reviewish pro- podcast, we're well, Ricardo will be Marv- Marvin. Will do it the next one on his own. Oh, Ricardo had that one with Adam by himself. That's so, true. Uh, you know, it, we're we're diversifying. Um, but well, primarily this is because um, Dan and I watched Cowboy Bebop together. It started with Sarah too. If you know who Sarah is, um, she was watching it with us, and then by episode two, she just walked away. Yeah, she, she tapped it. out. <laughs> and just to put it in context, um, Dan and I, well, I've seen Cowboy Bebop, maybe the original series, maybe like 10 to 15 times or so at this point, like a lot. Like, I don't know how many times you've I seen it. I think I might be approaching 10, maybe, maybe some episodes have been repeated more than others based yes, off for what sure. I would find on like Adult Swim or whatever. Yeah. And also because it's a type of show where like there's a like an episode you really like. And sometimes you're like, I just want to watch that one again. Cause I really like that one. Yeah. You know? It's definitely the type of anime where you could do that, where it's like, it's you can just yeah. take one episode out of it and have a nice full experience. That isn't like, wait a minute, what happened before? What happened after? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those ones where you're, you're kind of just hankering for a little bit of it and you don't have to like start. For, it's not like a breaking bad where you're like, if you're watching breaking bad, you really should rewatch it from the beginning. You shouldn't like just jump in the, in the middle again. Um, yeah. It's almost like a sitcom where a sitcom, you can just be like, oh, I just want to watch this. And then you just oh, do yeah, it. Or, or like older, older, like TV shows that weren't sitcoms, but like action, like, you know, everything was episodic a long time ago. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Serialization is more of like a, like a nineties to now thing where they started doing that way more. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say that Breaking Bad was one of like the earlier examples of that prestige television Sopranos, but, Sopranos, I'd say. Sopranos really pushed Sopranos it. Sopranos was probably like the first big one. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then from there, like Bre- Breaking Bad didn't didn't come that much farther after. Yeah, maybe like did it come like five years after or something like that? Yeah. Dexter got started before that though, huh? Yeah, and it was Dexter, and then Dexter got all yeah, super into it. And, and then like and then there was also like the vampire craze, right? Wasn't there like True Blood and other stuff like around that time as well? That's true. Yeah. There's a lot of like schlocky stuff that was episode that was serial. Like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, it was like slightly episodic, but also serial because entire seasons had arcs. You know? Oh, that's true. You know. But but I, they they're schlock. They're not, I wouldn't call them prestige television, as people would say. They're like more genre TV that I genuinely really like both Buffy and uh angel quite a bit actually <laughs> but yeah that's that's beside the point we were we watched uh netflix's adaptation of cowboy bebop uh which is developed sure by did. christopher yost and christopher yost you know he's, he's famous for thor dark world and the best one <laughs> far none uh, he also worked on thor ragnarok and the mandalorian right but i would right. argue Thor Ragnarok is good because of Taika Waititi, you know, and the Mandalorian is probably fine because it, he was one part of a larger show. Sure. Um, whereas, um, you know, Cowboy Bebop, he kind of developed a whole thing. So this is all his fault. <laughs> uh, what did you think, Dan? <laughs> right. Actually, off the bat. I, I, I took a second to look up Chris Yost and what he what else he had written. He's done a lot of uh, Marvel TV animation yeah, writing. Yeah, he's done a lot of animation writing. Yeah, that's true. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah. So, uh, 
Well, I mean, those aren't necessarily good. No, nothing, <laughs> nothing that sticks out to me as something that I personally love. Although I do know that other, you know, the shows I'm seeing here, like X Men Evolution, uh, the 2003 Ninja Turtles, mm-hmm. like you know, Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes. Those, those are shows that have you know very passionate fans. That's true. But That's true. um. Especially X Men Evolution was had a surprisingly large following, depending based on what it was. Yeah, and I and I actually of of the shows I listed, I think X Men Evolution was probably the one that I was most invested in. Yeah, it was but, fine. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it, yeah, it was fine. It was uh, Mystique being the principal is a little stupid, but sure. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> at this point in my life, I'm fully open to all the stupid high school alternate universe bullshit. Like, I, I'll give me a Gotham High School thing if you do it well. Just do it well. <laughs> I guess that's my general complaint with adaptations, I guess, is what I would say. So I'm going to say something a little bit controversial. Um, I don't think adaptations need to be faithful to the source material, like at all. My mm-hmm. big example is Ocean's Eleven. The original Ocean's Eleven is terrible. It is a vanity project by the frat pack with Frank Sinatra and his friends. And it's a fucking shitty movie. <laughs> and then when Steven Soderbergh decided, I'm just going to remake this movie, but do whatever whatever the fuck I want. That's mm-hmm. a much better movie. <laughs> so I don't think inherently you need to quote unquote respect the material. I think what you need to do is just make it good. Because uh, <laughs> if it's good and it doesn't respect the material, people will forgive many things. You know what I mean? That is true. Um, I think there is a balance that can be struck that you know, that may have that, oh, well, it will give me the impression that it is more successful than another series that isn't, that doesn't strike that balance very well. Because if it's just good, but not faithful, then yes, you'll forgive things, but you're forgiving things. Yeah, I guess so. I'm trying to like, think of a, a, an example outside of Ocean's Like for Love, me, I think an yeah. easy example is like 89 Batman. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like Joker did not kill Bruce's parents. That's kind of a stupid change, honestly. <laughs> but um Eight Nine Batman is great and I'll love it forever. I mean I mean I mean it but the thing is a lot of its like qual good qualities was because it was standing on its own merits, you know. It's not just because it was a face like an adaptation where people were like, That's the Batman I wanna see. It was actually Tim Burton being like, Well, that's the Batman I wanna see. I don't actually know comics that well. Um, yeah, and honestly, <laughs> uh, much of the design sense from '89 Batman was wasn't something that wasn't lifted directly from any of the comics of the time. Exactly, and yeah, I just well. Anyway, I just, I, I'm sorry, yeah. I, I dodged your question. You asked me what I thought. It sucks. It's really bad. <laughs> it's 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 not a very. It's not I, a very good I show. mean, I mean, just to put it in perspective, we both love Cowboy Bebop, the original series, quite a bit. Like you, you have admitted you own like three versions of it. You know, uh, yeah, I have the DVDs and two Blu-ray sets, some vinyl records. Yeah, um, an I, art the, book. Yeah, I think I have two versions. I have the DVD and the Blu-ray um, that came with the vinyls. That's what I have. And so yeah, I mean, we we are we are fans, but I, I I've while watching the show, I tried to try to keep in mind every so often. I wasn't always thinking about it, but every so often I would try to take a step back, st- take a step back, and say if. I didn't know the original and I was mm. just seeing this on its own. Does this make sense? And is it like, is it cohesive? And like, does, does this work? 
you know, which I, th- which I think why Sarah was a good viewpoint for the first two episodes because <laughs> she she has never seen any of. She's seen part of the first episode with me, and mm-hmm. to put it that in perspective, she didn't like the original Cowboy Bebop, so she was like, "I don't want to watch this." So uh, then she watched this show with us for a little bit, and then she was like, "This show is awful." <laughs> and yeah, then she said, "At least the other show was a show." <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny thing to say. <laughs> well. Uh, and like part of it, like, okay, there's a, there's been, there was some controversy in casting John Cho um, just because I think a lot of people did not think John Cho is necessarily like the correct guy. I'm saying this as a, as a Korean, John Cho's Korean. Like, I also kind of agree he's not quite the correct guy. I think honestly, he's too small. Um, whenever he's wearing that suit, the leisure suit, he looks like a little boy wearing a big suit. It doesn't look quite right on him. Um, they try to make his shoulders look bigger by having like really big shoulder pads sagging downward. It, but just makes him look like he's wearing like, like a costume. The whole, the whole problem aesthetically with the show also is that everyone looks like they're cosplaying. No one looks like characters. They all look like anime convention cosplays. And it like the it, worst of it looks like anime convention cosplays, but those kind of drag down everybody else. Yeah, it's a, they're on they're like un- every so often there's there's one that's like, well, that's fine. Like, but they're unignorable, you know? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Anna's fine. She's mostly dressed as a person. but You can't tell because Spike's standing next to her and he looks like a fucking cartoon character. Yeah. And also Anna was like a complete uh, reimagining from her original state because she used yeah. to be like a. Kind of a middle-aged, you know, uh, down on her luck. I run a convenience who store. Ran a yeah. bodega. Yeah, she was like yeah. a bodega lady. Yeah, and it's just like, yeah. I mean, and again, I I think changing stuff is actually a great move. You should change things, but th- but the problem is that like they're weirdly faithful to certain things, and then when they change things, it's in a way that makes a direct comparison with the original and it shows how much better the original's choices were ver- just right. comparatively to this, these I choices. I think adapt, whenever you adapt something that was already a piece of visual media, like mm. your job is harder. Yes. Especially because, if it was popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like adap- adapting comic to comic to film, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like I almost want to compare this to Zack Snyder. Just a little bit <laughs> because so much attention's paid to visual fidelity in some respects. But it looks ugly. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it looks and so like, ugly and the action's terrible. At least with Zack Snyder, you can you can at least admit the action's okay. <laughs> I would argue that even the overuse of slow-mo in Zack Snyder films, like it it tears away at my soul. Yeah, that it, like. it can be a lot. Yeah, yeah, but it, but it's at least some attempt at visual style with choreography versus like let's just shoot everything Dutch and then hope the edit can fix everything. You know? Yeah, there, there's a the okay. You just touched on cinematography. Like throughout the show, we we kept on like shouting at 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 the, at the screens for having many shots out of focus, many of them close up. <laughs> so many. Um, like comically out of focus. <laughs> yeah, like in episode nine, there's a particular shot of like it was Vincent's eyes, I think, where the focus was on his like the back eyelash. Yeah, <laughs> like the rear eyelash, but it's it just makes it look like shit. Yeah, because that's not thing- what your eyes resting on. Yeah, it's just like it's a thing that happens way too often in modern filmmaking because 
a lazy camera operator nowadays just depends on autofocus button to say, oh, it says it's focused. I'm good to roll. Mm-hmm. But they don't like measure lengths. They don't look at their focal lengths, you know. And it, and just, it matters most with close-ups. Yeah, and especially digital because uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's so clear. It's out of focus. If you're like shooting fucking Star Trek to Next Generation and it's out of focus, but you know it's going to go on network television at 360p or something, whatever. It's mm-hmm. not that big a deal. Or you're streaming it on Netflix and UHD HDR. You know, you got you to pay a little more attention on your close-ups at least. Um, yeah, I, d- I didn't watch this show at UHD HDR, and I can tell you it was a very diminished experience. <laughs> 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 In fact, it might have been better. We might have missed more things that are horribly wrong because we watched <laughs> it at HD. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah but um, back to the cinematography, it was yeah. uh, mostly bad. Yeah, and like, and Mar- Marvin already mentioned that almost everything was Dutch, like off. And and for those listening, Dutch means it's like at an angle, yeah, not straight on. And it's like a really cheap so strategy to try to make your shot look interesting when there's nothing going on. Um, True. It, like Battlefield Earth is like a very famous comical example of this. Every shot in Battlefield Earth is not just Dutch. They'll have lots of shots where it starts tilting Dutch as the shot goes on. <laughs> which makes it funny. That's why when you brought up that joke, we're like, oh man, I hope this zoom in when the zoom in finishes, they start dutching. You know, I was, I was like, Battlefield Earth did it. They could, they could do it here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, it's just part of it is like, I get they're trying to go for style, but I think they took all of their style from the intro, the, like the, the OP of Cowboy Bebop, the anime. And not from within the show, because within the show, the actual like shoot, like for quote unquote shooting, it's an animation. So the quote unquote shooting style of it is pretty like standard. It's not super crazy. It's not weird or wacky. It's actually like shot. Right. Seriously. No, no, I think I think <laughs> you, you've you've hit a nail on the head there. There is. It seems like they took the the energy of the intro and tried to spread it everywhere. Which is super wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's not what you want. Because that um, intro is like a contrast to the slow pace of everything else in the show. The show is actually, the original show is actually pretty steady and slowly paced. You know what I mean? Yeah, like in the original show, the only time that the action would kind of ramp up to that level would be pretty much like whenever Spike was having a fist fight or if there was like a space dog fight with, with the Yeah, planes. Yeah, or there's Those some sort of like, chase. That's about yeah, it. That was like the high energy like moments. And, and you know it's happening because Yoko Kano's music would kick in and you go, oh, this yeah, is like, a change of pace, just like the intro. You yeah, know, we're having an action set piece set to like hot jazz music at 1 a.m. Yeah, exactly. It's the best damn show style, in town. That was the style of the time. Uh, and and uh, so I it's just it's, it's it just feels so, so, so superficial. And again, I know that it doesn't need to be a direct adaptation, but it also feels like it's a misunderstanding if, if you're because there is it's clear there is many steps they were taken to try to be faithful, right? So, mm-hmm. but so if you're taking this the approach of you're attempting to be faithful, you have to be more than superficial. You know, you have to understand why why the storytelling worked, why the structure worked, why the characters worked, right? Right. And and you were saying, you know, like by the end of the series or the season, it might be the whole series. Who knows? Because it hasn't been renewed for season two yet at the time of recording. Uh, 
Um, <laughs> to be, you're right. Why not? Worst Netflix shows have been renewed. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, true. <laughs> um, like you, like towards the end, up until the very last episode, you know, scene where you know they all split apart. They were all very friendly and chummy with each other, and like that was kind of the actual mood of the show. They're all becoming friends, right? Mm-hmm. And you were saying that's an okay approach if you want to change up the way the characters are interacting, right? Yes, I, I'm okay with that change because I, I don't know. Like, I feel like that change in character dynamic kind of felt similar to what they did with the Eva Rebuild movies, or at least the first two. Because mm, okay. I, I haven't actually seen. Uh, I haven't seen any I've of seen them number yet. three. Yeah, but I certainly haven't seen the latest one. So I don't know how it all culminated. So um, forgive me for not knowing where how that ends. But um, like, I was I'm okay when they when they tweak character dynamics in that sort of way because it's like I think as a fan or me personally as a fan, seeing those characters like work together and watching the show and thinking them as a unit kind of like makes them feel like friends already in my head enough so that mm. when they act like friends, it's like, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, like there's moments like in, in a knocking on heaven's door, you know, like when they, when they like do a bit of a hangout in that movie, you know, mm-hmm. like that they're very friendly, you know, like when uh, Faye and Jet are both, both in their, you know, respective planes flying at the end of the movie they're like talking like they're friends you know like yeah, yeah there are moments where like they feel like from the original show and the movie the, there are times when they feel like uh, like a dysfunctional family yeah i mean last episode the real folks blues part two you know like that's kind of what's what was cool is that like because they had like their their friendly with each other but they're constantly breaking apart you know the part where Faye comes back and she's like listen i have nowhere to go you know right it's it's a great moment because that's when spike is like i have to go um Mm -hmm. you know it's it's great and like if you wanted to like switch up the dynamic with the characters in this show that's all fine uh it's just i don't i don't really believe why they're friends (laughs) yeah i think uh i think i've already heard elsewhere this critique but um it's it bears repeating here because i haven't said it yet none of the characters feel like real people yeah they're all caricatures like you don't you don't feel like there's an inner working in their minds you know they're all caricatures they kind of like stick to a role but it doesn't feel like these roles play out correctly with each other yeah what was this is a good example of this in the original show where this happens like so what is um what was the name of the episode where Spike encounters that grifter guy who's like kind of like a like a he's kind of like a pickpocket, but then he teaches him kung fu. He teaches him Venus. Waltz for Venus. Yeah, that's one of that's one of my favorite episodes because you see Spike in one episode show character progression with a one-off character. You know, and that would that was actually kind of like uh how many episodes functioned where it's like it would focus on one of the crew and how they interact with some new side character mm-hmm. and it would reveal how they are as people and it shows it was character good, progression. Yeah, exactly. It was it was it was very much a character driven show as episodic as it was, but every episode lets you see a side of a character. Yeah, like the like the episode where Jet uh, meets his ex wife and then. Yeah. His, he has a character arc where at the end he realizes I was wrong this entire time. I need to let you go and make your own mistakes. You right. Know? And that that's character development. There Nothing happens in this series where things are revealed about characters' backstories, but you don't see characters actually change. The closest you see characters changing is maybe Faye, 
But I get the feeling from Faye's character as presented in this show at, from the very beginning that she wants connection from the beginning. Whereas right. in the original series, Faye in the original did not want connection. She was very much a loner, a drifter, only associated with the bebop out of necessity. And it's only towards the end where she's like, I don't have anywhere else to go. I realized how valuable this is. You know? Yeah. And um, every major, any of our, or all of our major three characters um, have had some major tweak to the backstory in some shape or form. Mm hmm. Faye um, was not conned by uh, Whitney Matsumoto, the man. He yeah. Was, she, she was instead conned by a fake adoptive mother, Whitney Matsumoto. Yes. Which is a fine twist. That's fine. Um, yeah. And then that's all right. The uh, idea of her growing up as a grifter with another grifter after she was like unfrozen is kind of a fun idea, actually. It kind of you know? also helps explain her skill set, which yes. is- Yes. And yeah. actually is probably a better episode idea- than the original <laughs> where well, it was yeah. like that weird date thing and they you know what I, that, that i always felt was like almost like a dream-like episode and it, that kind of made sense for that episode because she's telling it she's not a reliable narrator it might not be all entirely true right so that and the other be, thing too is like that episode was also supposed to be a big reveal for as to what is the source of my horrible debt yeah um, which is like which was like a detail about her that was they did not utilize this in the netflix show mm -hmm. but when she uh, came out to the bebop in the original uh, cartoon she was like i have a huge debt though and you know when she revealed how much it was the kid the guys were like like flabbergasted at how large a debt this one woman had yeah and the only way she could accumulate such a debt is because she has to pay for procedures she wasn't like she didn't really sign up for being frozen mm -hmm. and also she took on a debt of someone else who tried to who tried to con her yeah and they could have worked with that um, but they didn't, which I don't and think is necessarily the worst thing in the world, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a, yeah, it's, it's not the worst change and jet having an actual like ex-wife with full a kid, family, full yeah. ex, uh, yeah, a full like family that he's estranged from, including previous partner who is now his wife's husband. <laughs> yeah. Also that, that, that's it's, a lot. It's not partner, but previous colleague at police station who he thinks is corrupt is now his wife's husband when you when it's in initially introduced that way you're like what the fuck why isn't jet beating the shit out of him right now? yeah actually yeah at first it makes jet seem kind of like oh wow he just like what a punk ass bitch <laughs> yeah he didn't he didn't fight for nothing he just laid down and took it um, it's one thing to, it's one thing for your your wife to have another husband that's normal it's another thing for a colleague to then marry your wife. That's awkward, but can happen. It's too much when that colleague you also think is a corrupt cop. Yeah, and, and all that too was many to build things. up to a reveal that he wasn't actually corrupt. It was his, it was his yeah, dumpy partner. Why, in hindsight, you're like, okay, sure. But then he couldn't have had that suspicion of him the whole time and been okay with it then. Like, it, it, it's like they wrote it wrong. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think something that the old show did that this show was very afraid to do uh, was like details about backstory would pop up along with an opportunity. Mm. And it feels like this show was much more focused on we have to set up something. We have to have we have to have culminations here. We have to <sighs> yeah. we have to have through lines. We have to have plots that develop over time. And backstories and, are almost like dumps of backstory. 
you know, it's just like lots of backstory ones, lots. And it's like, we don't need And that. in particular, like, okay, we, we haven't even mentioned this yet, but this is a huge part of why the show is, is terrible. It is how much they were, how much they needed to flesh out the Julia Vicious backstory for Spike. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's horrible. <laughs> it's the classic dumb move of trying to write in ambiguous backstory where it's not needed. It's, to be fair, like... <sighs> So the, the original Bebop show, the least interesting part was that plot line, you know? Of course. And, Absolutely. And like, I think they realized that and that's why they did so little in explaining it because not explaining it is, a, is an easy way to keep it intriguing, right? Sure. Which is cheap, but it works because the show has a lot, lot, lot other stuff going on and it's not the point of the show, right? It's, it's actually... What it more is, is that it's a part of Spike's backstory that just bleeds in really hard to, to other plots sometimes. You know? Yeah, it's like an elaborate framing device that affects plot. Yes, every once in a while, you know. Whereas, if you want to flesh out Vicious and Julia, I guess there are ways you could do it that could potentially work. But turning Vicious into like... I mean, you already, you already like, called Jed a punk ass bitch, but Vicious is vicious the punkest, is the, the punkest is, bitches ass punk yeah. bitch ass. Yeah. That's ever he's, punk he's, bitch ass. Oh my God. He's on the history such, of the planet. He, I, he's, he, he is, he is the worst as like, okay, sure. He's vicious in some regards, but he's also depicted as extremely incompetent. He's baby like. He's not and like petty. Yeah, he's childlike. And, yeah. yeah. And childish and like, and, and obstinate like he, he just he, he's not a f- good character like he, he doesn't come off as a good villain yeah he's just i don't know but then alongside that we have julia and her character which and and you said this when we were watching it marvin that in the original show she wasn't a character at all which is true yeah which is but fine what, but what they fleshed her out with was like why would anyone be obsessed with this horrible woman yeah like, and like why would spike be be so down bad over this this lady because she's she's depicted as such a cowardly opportunist that she I have zero sympathy for her in anything. Right. Like, and then at the end, like she gets really like butthurt at Spike for like, well, you never came for me and I had to live with him. And it's like, well, he also it, it's because he was kind of like he waited at the killed. spot. You didn't come. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's your that's on you. That's buddy. stupid. What did you think would happen? Like. I don't know. I mean, I, I understand that there was like a lady at your door to prevent you from going. That's fine. But then you can't be mad at him when he actually ended up being there. And his price for being there was that he got shot like 20 times. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And despite like, all that, he didn't lose an eye. Yeah. And despite all that, he didn't uh, try to hold any grudge against you. That's the other bewildering thing. Um, Like, like Spike and Julia are, are abject. Like, okay. Vicious is a terrible person. They're all terrible right. people though. And, in that situation, Spike is abjectly the bad guy. He had an affair with his best friend's girlfriend. Yeah, this best friend who they fleshed out the story to be that he was the one who was taken in by Vicious and his dad. Yeah. Like, he, he was given a nice little, like, life as a, as a syndicate assassin. Like, he was given everything by them. He owes them everything. Yes. At least and from then, his perspective at the time. And then Vicious has reason to hate him. Makes sense. Why does Spike hate him too i mean only that he got 
you know, uh, they attempted to murder him for what he did with Julia. Well, it's pretty bad. And you're in the, you're in the, essentially the mafia. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, so that's, it's that's like, well, he, <laughs> like, he, he received like re- um, expectable repercussions. Um, and I guess that was enough to make him. It doesn't make sense. Blood with fish. By, I expla- don't know. by explaining it, they made it make less sense. <laughs> yeah, like in, in the anime, I think it was a little ambiguous as to what kept Julia from making it to Spike. Yeah, I think it was, I think, I remember I correctly, she was told he had, she had to go and kill him. Instead of doing that, she ran away, which is why she never showed up. So I was oh, like, man, I actually don't remember so well um, if that's the case or not. I, I believe if that, that is true, then that's actually a really interesting thing that they ended up twisting into like, well, actually, it was Spike who was told to kill Vicious. And yeah. He refused to do that. Yeah, they were trying to do a twist on it, I think. And it's and, like, I mean, great. You didn't you didn't kill Vicious when you were told to. And then Vicious went off the rails and did his stupid bullshit. Meanwhile, you're sleeping with Julia. But I don't know. It's, it's all really messy. And, and not in a way that makes things make more sense. Like, it doesn't, like, help explain things more. It just Yeah, made things, by the end of it, the yeah. motivations are a little murky because it's like, why is Spike so, like, clearly a Spike is just, like, obsessed with Julia. That's mm-hmm. the first thing you learn. Mm-hmm. But then when you learn, like, why, it's kind of like, wait, that's why? Yeah, and then he, you're he like. He danced with her once when Vicious wouldn't. Yeah. And then he. And he also watched her sing that one time and then, you know, kind of poorly. <laughs> like we, we, we remember we were like, it was, well, it's not her singing that was poor. She was mixed poorly. Yes. She sounded really timid. And we were like, wow, she sounds really timid for what looks like the amount of energy she's putting. Yeah, out they of her mixed lungs. really, really low. Yeah. It was really weird. Usually when they mix people low in things, it's because their voice wasn't great. It's why, um, what's his face in Les Miserables was mixed so low. His uh, fucking name, Gladiator. Russell Crow? Yeah, Russell Crow. He was mixed really low because he was off key like a lot. Oh, I see. <laughs> uh, so these, well, then that's a choice. Maybe that was the choice they made with her too. It's possible, yeah. Because I wasn't listening that closely. I mean, in this day and age, you could easily just auto-tune it, like imperceptibly. Like Sure. Like, you know, like Emma Watson was auto-tuned like crazy in Beauty and the Beast, but no one really cared, you know, so you could do the same thing here for one scene. Well, also, people probably wouldn't know. Yeah, exactly. But- I don't yeah, know. It's not that people didn't care. It's people didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like, yeah, why not? Uh, maybe you, you're not in a musical workflow. So maybe that's why, that's beyond the point. It's just, <laughs> it just didn't make a lot of sense, their backstory. And in, in explaining it, it makes Vicious seem like a petty bitch. And it makes It Julia... also gives him way too much screen time. Yeah. Because like what you chose to flesh out his character is not interesting. And instead of cool episodic adventures with people who help us learn who we are or show off who we are. Yeah. We just get more and more cuts back to Vicious and Julia being awful people. And it's like, I don't care about these people. I want to know more about Cal. I want to know more about Spike and Jet and I I guess Faye. Like, let them interact with other people. Yeah. And also, like, it it didn't help that he had that horrible wig, Vicious. Oh, yeah. It didn't help that, like, I don't think he's... Okay, the guy who played him as Alex Hassel. When he was in The Boys, he played translucent, and he played like a really petty, perverted asshole in that show. So it was fine; it worked because he's his as his superhero in that show is translucent. He's basically Invisible Man. Mm, okay, so he's obviously a, a creepy pervert. Uh, so like for that actor and the way he looks, I was like, oh, it's just, he, yeah, he looks like a. 
Sure, that and, makes sense. But and, and this, I, I just don't think he works here at all. Well, it sounds part. like what Vicious acted like in the show. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> this doesn't work at all. It just doesn't. I don't know. And like uh, going back to John Cho, I just don't think he was. I think he's doing his best with the material, and I think um, even though he doesn't fit the part, he's doing his best. Um, okay, I, I do. I do want to acknowledge something about this adaptation and the task of this adaptation. Mm-hmm. I do want to acknowledge just how difficult it is to adapt Bebop in in general, which is also a reason why I question the need to do this at all. Right. Um, it's that like a character like Vicious with his edgy like bird on his shoulder and his katana. Yeah. And his, I, I and almost his wish they tried to his, attempt that bird. <laughs> and his scars and all like all of that edgy bullshit anime stuff. Super that, edgelord bullshit. Yeah. You know, it it it, it flies in anime because that's what you expect. But if yeah. you just adapt that as it is to live action in any sort of way, it's not going to be very good you have to make modifications which you i don't have to but they yeah and they and they chose to make the bad modifications and, and i don't know why they there's they they chose to be faithful to the bad the things that won't work but change the things that could have worked you know what i mean like sure i, sure. I, don't, I don't get it like why okay like i think the person that matches most closely is jet black mm-hmm. yeah, mustafa shakir did a pretty good job as jet i don't think he's amazing I think he's okay, but I think okay is the best performance in this show. Um, and like, I think maybe even half of that performance is like okayness comes from how much he sounds like the the voice actor. Yeah, he's matching the original Jet, like English Jet Black voice pretty well. Yeah, he, he does a decent of- job of, of sounding like him. And I don't know how intentional it is to like, I don't know how he na- sounds naturally talking. If it's just how he sounds and that's pretty amazing how close he already is. Yeah, but, I don't know. Um, I haven't seen him in anything else. Also, the way he carries himself, it makes you kind of believe his outfit. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like he has a physicality with him, of not just like his actual physical size. But I mean, like, but the way he carries himself that matches his arm, that matches the clothes he's wearing. It feels like he's this the one makes that looks like who looks the most at home on the Bebop set as well. Yeah, he looks comfortable. Whereas like John Cho, when he's doing the Spike Spiegel hands and pockets like doesn't look comfortable no, he doesn't <laughs> he looks like he, it looks it looks strained and then daniela pineda as Faye is just awful she is terrible in this show like she is a lot of energy that i don't know it, it it's it's energy she's like that playing the really role used. of like a manic pixie dream girl but but that's <laughs> but as Faye, and I guess Faye is partially written that way. She's like, it's weird. She's written like really hyper energetic, cursing a lot. One of her last lines of the show is one of the worst things I've ever heard on any show, which is here comes the ouch motherfuckers, which is. Yeah, that's not. Who approved that line? And that is so horrible. <laughs> In yeah, anything. That's a very different <laughs> characterization from the original show. And again, and fine to be different. It's fine to be different, but it has to be good. <laughs> yeah, because like the original show, it, it Faye was more like world weary. Yeah, was, she felt like an old soul in a young body, which is it ended up kind of being what it is, right? Right, right, right. So that's and so they had very little of that going on in in, in this rendition of Faye. Yeah, um, which is again fine if you want to change it, and then instead just replace it with a. Uh, either lesbian or bisexual or pansexual plot line that only lasts for like a few minutes. Yeah. It lasts a total of like three quarters of an episode. 
if you're counting the two episodes it shows up in. And it's like, okay, give give her something to do that's quote unquote sexy. Which is, I, I mean, it's fine to make her pansexual. I mean, I can see uh, Faye from the original show being pansexual. I can see that being a thing, you know. Yeah, that could have easily been a thing or not. I mean, there's um, also like some like implications. Oh, that reminds me. That reminds me. Before we start the show, uh, you had some like reservations or fears about how uh, Gren would be depicted. Yes. I had heard really bad things. Now that I've watched it. Uh, it's not it's- as bad as all that. Basically, Gren is not a character. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> like they didn't address his character, so it's 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 you have to make assumptions to get to get like twisted out of shape about it. Yeah. So I, I think we should just make it really clear. So in the original show, Gren like identifies as male. He was basically experimented on, which gave him breasts, which caused gender dysmorphia, which makes it difficult for him to come to terms with his body and who he is, right? That's his character there. He's not trans or fluid, gender fluid. I believe in the live action, Gren is just gender fluid now, which is fine if they're going to be portrayed that way. Totally fine. But I think they were also afraid after that to just not do anything with that character. And they're like, ah, Gren just works at the bar. (laughs) You know, and sure, um, yeah, like I, I think like the biggest like statement or declaration you can glean from him and his casting is that they um, selected a non-binary actor. Yes, that that's like th- all you get in terms of like how they wanted to portray Gren because mm-hmm. they don't give you anything beyond like it, it's just pretty tired, generally queer stereotypes that he embodies. Otherwise, yeah, it's yeah, it's like because. Because they're just there as basically the person holding up guns or the person delivering a message. They're With a slight bit of sass. Yeah, that just becomes the requisite bit of sass. Yeah, that becomes their whole characterization. And it becomes like, well, that's it's unfortunate. It's not as hor it's not horrible. In fact, I'm I guess I'm glad they did given how the rest of this fucking show's written, I'm glad they didn't try to do yeah, it's it, more it, of a statement or something. Spotlighting him probably would have ended badly. Or them, I guess. Yeah. Sorry. Well, well, it's confusing because in the original show, it would be him. Like he identifies as him. Sure. Whereas in this show, it's they don't explicitly say it, but it's um, because the actor is non-binary. I'm assuming the character is also non-binary. So yeah, I think that's how they chose to interpret it. But then that's as far as they got. Yeah, and like, and they, and you know what? If you're just gonna just make a a weird change like that and then like just say well we're we're not we're just gonna make the change and then not get any closer to it that's fine but this makes me really worried about what they're gonna do with ed because ed shows up at the end ed is also played by a non-binary actor again fine is she yeah yeah eden perkins is non-binary and then um, yeah so well there's for one there's actually not very much known about eden perkins in general apparently no one even knows how old they are so they because they weren't in the industry at all before. Hmm. So, but that makes me worried because they're clearly don't have a lot of tact or skill in writing. <laughs> sure. And it's not like, I don't know for sure, but I don't think they have any like trans or gender fluid writers on the staff. So they don't have someone who are the point of view who could contribute to that. Right. So if you're going to make Ed non-binary, that's a f- like, it might just be, it might be out of like a, I hesitate to say convenience thing, but I, but I, I, I think that it's possible 
that beyond this casting, they're not going to spend any special attention trying to address like what is Ed's gender. I think it's just like Ed in the show was enough of an androgynous feral child that like we can cast this this non-binary actor, but then do our best to just ape what we saw in the show. I think that's what they're going to do. Which would probably seen be the safe bet, but I am worried. <laughs> but that they'll go he, out of their lane. Okay, you know I, I, I mean? am <laughs> going to say this already uh, about the English dub. I know that Cowboy Bebop's yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. anime English dub is considered one of the best that's ever been done. And in many ways, that's true. But I've never enjoyed Ed's performance in the English it's, dub. It's, it's just, it's a type of performance that honestly was in Japanese already only barely okay <laughs> yeah like it, it's a little hard to withstand even in japanese but yeah. when you translate that energy to so cringy the, to an english analog <laughs> it, it's already really bad and then they just tried to translate that again yeah um, and to the net to the ninth power like it's so that last scene where ed shows up and it's just like this wide angle tank girl shot right in their face and they're going and I'm like, holy Jesus Christ. It's so like unflattering. I feel so bad for this actor. I I want to protect <laughs> this person from the world for the next few years. But just so that they don't have to live this down because it's not fair. I don't think it's fair. Yeah, I, I can already see it being a really big problem. <laughs> yeah, like uh, like I, I don't know if listeners know this, but um, who who played Anakin Skywalker? What was his name? Oh fucking like uh that kid um is it Justin something or no it's like I'll look it up but go ahead go ahead but anyway um the guy who played An- young Anakin Skywalker yes his performance was shitty in Phantom Menace of course it was but he's a but fucking kid wasn't <laughs> but <laughs> Jake it, Lloyd as bad as it was yeah Jake Lloyd Jake Lloyd his poor yeah. life was ruined by that movie yeah, like he kid. had to deal with this ridicule like and he and continues to do so like all his life. It's it's just it's unfortunate. He had like a kind of okay career up until Phantom Menace. Like he was in Jingle All the Way. He was in a lot of television work. It was like fine. Like he wasn't like mm. you know. <laughs> that's so. That's just so unfortunate. Yeah, and then fucking Phantom Menace fucking destroyed him. And like because it's attached to him, so he tried to use it to help himself in life. Right. So like he'd go to conventions to like meet people. But it, he would get a hugely mixed reception there, and he got into drugs as a result of trying to cope with that, and like yeah, it was a disaster. Yeah, and you know, people are really mean. Like I, no, they really are mean. Like, like I've already seen some really horrible vitriol towards this Ed yeah. depiction, and yes, it is bad. But um, and I think I should, I should, I should also, I should also preface this. Whenever I think an actor is bad, right? I think I honestly think there's only really two reasons. One, you're poorly cast. Two, you're badly directed. I think any person could be a good actor. Oh, also three, uh, poorly edited. Sure. And I think like or heck, poorly it, written. Yeah, also poorly written. You know, and th- and I feel like there's a lot of actors, or a lot of there's a lot of just regular people who, given the opportunity, could probably be fine actors for their first time on screen, if given the proper direction and preparation, right? Sure. Let alone professional actors, you know? So like whenever I see a bad performance, like I think, I think the thing I go back to a lot is um, what's his name? Adam Sandler, you know, like Adam Sandler, when he is given an opportunity to really act well, can act well. 
But well, yeah, when, that has to be what's being asked of him. Yes. But like there are ways to coerce even stubborn people like Adam Sandler to be good actors, you know, or at least be portrayed as good actors in the things they're in. And I think there are limits to your theory. I've met right. some people who wouldn't be able to read a line intelligibly like to save their life. Well, then to me, that's a casting issue. You don't cast them in that role. You know All right. I mean? Fair, fair, fair enough. That, 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 that handily screens out like 80% of the population. Yeah. Like if like a lot of, a lot of this starts with the casting and the, like, if you like, I, I think John Cho is just not cast correctly. You know, Daniel. Right, so there is, there's like a flow chart or a hierarchy to these, to these conditions you're setting here. Yeah. You have like, to have a good cast first. Right. But you can have a poor casting choice and still have a decent performance. Uh, case in point, Chris Pratt in Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, we need an infographic to, <laughs> to intricately outline the, the relationship tree. Like, I think can Chris Pratt good, in, in Guardians of the Galaxy. To what degree can good directing save a bad cast? <laughs> or bad but, writing? Or <laughs> I like, feel like there's a theorem that can be devised <laughs> from all of this. I'm just saying, like, you know, there's there's... You know, it's like a, it's not a flow chart. It's more of like a point system on an RPG sheet, you know? And it's like, okay, you're poorly like one cast. Of those, like, uh, one of those like pentagraphs that Japan yeah, loves yeah. so much. Yeah, you're poorly, you're poorly cast, but you're written well and you're acted well and the editing is good. So you're going to get a good performance out of Chris Pratt, you know? Um, yeah, sure, sure. You know, but like John Cho, like I said this to you privately, but I think John Cho shouldn't have been cast. I think it should have been Daniel Day Kim. Taller guy more world world weary looking i think fits the part better you know like just in terms potentially of- i haven't really seen daniel day kim in much because i didn't watch lost or anything else that like snowballed off of that yeah but he also has the ability to look cocky that i don't think john cho really does very well john right, cho looks really so, I'll, I'll believe you yeah john cho's very sincere looking you know I, I don't think he looks very cocky i think he looks like a guy trying his best <laughs> you know I feel like anytime I look at him, he, I feel him making an expression. Yes. He, he is like, I feel like he is, he is exerting too much control over his face. Yeah. And all, uh, actually the, that, that uh, just reminded me of something like something I'd written down in my notes is like in the original Bebop, like Spike as a character would be kind of like that lazy, aloof, like slacker type of a personality mm-hmm. um, up until syndicate and Jindic and Julia stuff like entered the frame. <laughs> syndicate. Uh, like as soon as like the syndicate real shit would come in, like he would kind of activate and like kind of switch off into a different type of character. Yeah. Shit's going down. Yeah. And so he, he like, had, like he would three see, modes. Like, he was like, like a philosophical guy. He was a laid back guy. And he was like, I got to get shit done guy. You know, right. There was like his three modes. And um, there wasn't much distinction between any of that stuff for him in this show. No. So it felt like John was playing Spike pretty flatly the whole time. Which yeah, made that's another Spike, thing. Yeah, made Spike pretty uninteresting or, or less interesting than the original depiction because he lacked those differences between when he was. Dif- you bring up a things. great point. That's another thing that made the original characters really interesting is that they had these different like masks. Yeah, like when their when their past came to haunt them, they would have to reveal a piece of themselves that we hadn't seen yet. Yeah, because like even like Spike is obviously the most complicated, but then you had like Faye, she had her brash outward side who seems like doesn't care about anything. But in reality, she's very much concerned about her past, you know, and trying to figure out where she belongs. Even Jet, who's like kind of straightforward in the show, he definitely has a mode between "Ah, I'm having I'm having an okay time here. You know, I can get by versus like 
there's some shit going on and we really need to talk. Yeah, like <laughs> Jets, whenever it started to focus on Jet, it was always because of unfinished business. Yeah, or like he's being frustrated, so he's going to go cut some bonsai, you know? Like he has these, he had different modes. And, and you're right, I don't think anyone has different modes in this show. Everyone is always that character. There is no change. It's, right. like a, it's like a jazz song that keeps playing the same few notes over and over in a row. How thematic no- of you. <laughs> There's no, there's no progression, you know? Anyway. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, like it, with even Faye, like she would have different modes where it's like, usually I'm world weary and I'm sunbathing or grifting or looking for the next exciting thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't care about my past, but like when the tape entered the picture, she became very focused on it. Mm-hmm. And even before the tape, because when Whitney, the, I, she looked at Ayn was like, oh, you look like Whitney. Whitney Haggis Matsumoto, she's like, oh, this has changed my mode too. You know, like it's it's like all the characters are hiding things, you know? Yes. Yes. And that was like the fun of the show was, you know, them meeting people who would get them to reveal that those yeah. bits about them. Yeah. And that and was so great. actually I, I like I looked through the one thing I did do was I went through the original anime like series list mm-hmm. to see which episodes they didn't do at all, like even reference mm-hmm. in any sort of way. Mm hmm. And so the list goes, um, the Chessmaster Hex episode, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which you kind of, you'd kind of sort of need Ed for, maybe not exactly, but it's more fun it'd when be, there it'd is be Ed It'd be weird around. without Ed. Yeah. It'd be weird he, without Ed. Because it'd be, I would be hard pressed to believe any of the other members of Bebop are smart enough to handle Chessmaster Hex. Yeah, you know actually, I mean? you're absolutely right about that. Maybe, maybe Ayn. That might yeah. be it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that would be a decent replacement. That'd be fun. It'd be fun yeah, to yeah, have I a lot of Ayn in the show playing chess. That would be actually and, be and fantastic. And the about Ayn, poor Ayn. He got done dirty. He became a spy. I hated that change. It turned him from like, I'm a data dog because I'm smart to I'm a data dog because I'm a drone. Yeah. That's it really weird. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, he's like controllable even. It, it was like he was a remote control dog. It sucked. I, that's a weird, it's a change they made specifically for a plot point, which I don't like. <laughs> Yeah, there was like also, uh, they also like, they did that Street Fighter the movie thing where everything has to become related to itself. Like they had yeah. to condense and condense and condense. So, Cheerios Medical, the the company that um, right, right. showed up in the Cowboy Bebop movie, um, that is like behind uh, Pierre LeFou. They were also, also making the Data I'm, Dogs. Yeah. Like that's where like all of the, it, they just became Axis Chemicals. Mm-hmm. Or Star Labs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. you know, like everything weird happens here. I'm surprised they weren't connected to that eco-terrorist thing too. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. They might as well have Might been. as well. Fuck it. If you're going to be it, that. In fact, we probably missed like Cur- Cur- Curious Medical's like logo on one of their canisters or something. Yeah, something probably. Yeah. Okay, moving on. The other, the other thing we missed was the uh, old man kid harmonica player. Which mm-hmm. I'm fine with losing that. That one's a weird one. We it's a very strange, high concept episode yeah. that that very quickly takes the show into a almost supernatural. <laughs> right, and <laughs> like I, I include Jupiter Jazz in this list, despite Gren's appearance because he doesn't do anything or because they don't do anything. Yeah, yeah. Jupiter Jazz essentially doesn't exist as a story, and also all. they did not. Um, well, they also use Jupiter Jazz like the the saxophone song <sighs> that Gren that Gren plays. Okay, that's quick aside. Yeah, they the, just use that to replace Julia. The, for a show, if there was anything you needed to do properly with this show, it was use the music correctly. They just could not do that to save their fucking lives. Like they had I don't so know, many like easy, easy choices to make that they didn't take. Like 
easiest thing in the world. Just time your fight choreography to the music. Yeah. They didn't even attempt to do that. Music just stops and begins out of nowhere as transitional songs, which is bewildering. And yeah. like the, there was a few episodes where they have a lead in into tank, which we kept saying, stop doing that. Stop doing that. Whole point of that song is that it's like a in your face starts off real fast song, not like a, oh, we're anticipating tank coming yes. and make the transition really weird. And they kept using Jupiter jazz for Julia's theme when Julia has a theme that would have worked. Yeah. Like fans of the original series knows what that song should sound like. And, and if you just insert into the scene mentally, you can be like, that song works. Yeah. Why are we not using it? We Did were joking find, that like, are you are you just going to use Jupiter Jazz for every scene? <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, it, it, it's it's really baffling uh, choices throughout. Oh which god, was very very was, disappointing because that was like the one thing that I was like kind of hoping they would do well in the show. Um, and like, and I I, I said this briefly to Marvin uh, while we were watching it, but it would have been like something that the live action show really could have leaned into to really make it like give it like its own personality or its own like establish its own identity where it's like if they really committed to all that musical cutting um they could have done like a lot of really cool stuff yeah but it would take a lot of why why is there style in other parts of the show but not in the timing of the music (laughs) to action no yeah it 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 doesn't make any sense because it's like they had all this music that was already there it's Why not like they were waiting for it to this? be composed. Or, yeah, exactly. It should have been baby drivered. 100%. Why didn't you do that? <laughs> At least a couple of times. At least some beats. Like none of it was. It was so strange. Such a strange decision. It's like they edited it without the music and then put in the music afterward. Yeah, I, 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 I which don't which actually could that be what have happened because that is a workflow. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, don't know. It, it, it could have been, but if that was a workflow, they should have realized that that wasn't the one to use for this show. For Cowboy Bebop, the jazz-driven <laughs> anime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and honestly, also, like, of the few so- new songs of Yoko Kano's that I could realize were new songs, they were so unmemorable. Like, I can't remember a single tune right now. <laughs> and, okay, I, and I will, I will give some credence to this argument, like, as, as a devil's advocate. I think that many of the original Bebop songs could also have been unmemorable if they weren't used well. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a double, it's two things going on. I think it was just that Yoko Kano maybe just not have written as good music, which is totally believable. Even in the original show and even in the movie, some of those music, I was like, it's not that great. It's fine. You know? And yeah, it's not like she had a hundred percent hit rate. Exactly. Yeah. So I just assume that's a similar thing here, but it's that combined with none of the music is being treated. Like it's just, it's like a bed of music, not like part of the action, part of the editing, part of the style or pacing. It's, it's just there as like ambience. Right. Really annoying. Um, Okay. I want to get through this list. Continue. Yeah. Continue. Sorry. Uh, Back to, or okay. Next one. Wild horses. Oh, which is a, one of my personal favorite episodes of the original show. I love that. Episode. I I can I can guess why they didn't do it because it I know would have required like huge like space shuttle like. Um, and I know it's a complete one off episode too. That like the how would you connect that correctly to this serialized plot they're going for? It's like I get it. Like it's true, true. Different. And they didn't have that many episodes to work with, so like it's a cut that that you'd expect. But it's uh, such also a good sh- also expectable uh, cut. Heavy metal queen. Yeah, that's an easy one to to imagine them cutting. It's really hard to adapt. Mm-hmm. Um, Mushroom Samba. Um, you don't have Ed, so you can't do Mushroom Samba. And it's fine to not have that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
It I know some it. people really love mushroom samba, but I honestly, it's like one of the, if I'm like not feeling super uh, like precious about my bebop rewatch, I'll just skip it. I don't, I don't find it that interesting. I mean, episode, it is the home of what many people consider to be like some of their most beloved, like funny moments because of their hallucinations on shrooms and stuff. That's but true. I get the feeling that if they had done that in this show, it wouldn't have been very funny. Not done well. Yeah. Um, jamming with Edward, of course, we don't have because Ed's not in there. Yes. Um, Walter Venus, like we mentioned earlier, the Bruce mm. Lee guy who was finding the rare plant for his blind sister. Oh, that episode's so good. Yeah, it is I, good uh, because it gives you so much time with Spike and his like philosophy and how I he love operates that and what scene, he is as yeah. a guy. Like what and he does the, as a guy, like it shows you how he operates. And like it's good because they throw in that guy as a fish out of water character to interact with Spike. So Spike has to explain himself. It's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it's it's so well paced. That scene at the end, like everyone remembers that scene. Spike runs away, he goes, Don't die on me, I'll be back. And the guy goes, If we met in a different life. Would, would we have been friends? It's such a good line. <laughs> like I yeah. always, I always feel really torn up, torn up about. It. It's such a good single episode. It's so great. I love it. That's actually the first episode of Bebop I ever saw. Yeah, and I like, and like going through these side episodes is what made me realize how important these are to what Bebop is. Yeah, like these are all the uh, so many of these episodes that I'm listening contain the moments that like I personally like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Walt Servinus is a really big one there because of how much of Spike, like how much we learn about Spike as a person. Yeah, his personality really, like yeah, his, exactly. Yeah, like he, it's just so interesting. What they, yeah, they, and you don't get that when you're dealing with Vicious and Julia because it's just like I'm obsessed with Julia. This is the least interesting piece of my character. Like, yeah, I, I just mean, want Julia back. Boo hoo hoo. Yeah, it's, it's like the, the like Shinichiro Watanabe, the original creator of the show, probably just realized that this is a noir trope. People understand noir tropes. We can move on. Let's move. Let's look at other things involving these characters. We don't have to dive deeper into noir tropes if right. that is not a focus of the show. But the yeah, show, so like <laughs> they replaced all of this interesting stuff, interesting ways to learn about the characters with more vicious and Julia, which is like my main complaint at this point. Yeah. We did the teddy bear bomber, but there was no cowboy Andy, um, which um, it, it's it's easier to see why they didn't include that because they didn't little, have the same build up much. for Spike's he's character. Little, yeah, and he's a little too much for that type of uh, yeah. And it's of, also yeah. kind of hard to adapt because like a part of how he acted was like coded as like Japanese interpretation of an American foreigner. Yeah, um, and like. I don't actually recall so well how the English dub handled it, but I do believe it was somewhat awkward. I mean, um, he's, he's giving like a Southern accent, right? Or like, I think so. Or like, yeah. howdy, Bart. And uh, we also er- mentioned already earlier the uh, Jet's like unrequ- uh, lost love where mm-hmm. he goes back and asks her like, you know, why w- why weren't you there for me? Why do I have still have this watch, etc.? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and the the other big jet episode that I am missing that I wish we had was Boogie Woogie Feng Shui. Yeah, that's a really big one. That was kind of the reason I can see why the reason why they cut it now is because they replaced his like fatherly aspects with like his family's angle. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't, he no longer needed to have a surrogate father daughter relationship with anybody. Mm-hmm. Because he has a daughter. Like, for well, real. it was also like a surrogate. Like it was weird for him, and I think he the whole episode he finds it awkward but intriguing because it's a daughter relationship. But also he's like he has that line where he goes, "I could, you know, I'm not that old. I could be your boyfriend." You know, like right, had, right. Yeah. So it's like this weird uh, push and pull 
And Spike and Faye also notice and they go, that's a little weird. But but that's part of the interesting dynamic going on in the episode. Yeah, it was just another opportunity to like see bits of Jet that we wouldn't normally see in His other personality where, where he's like, how does Jet treat someone he thinks needs to be treated well? You know? Yeah. And so like back to what I was saying, like the episodic nature of the original show made it so that each episode was kind of like a pocket in which you could get a glimpse of a certain aspect of someone. Mm-hmm. And what Netflix did was like they kind of just smeared everything else. Like they smeared everything across the board. Yeah. And so like Jet's like family man aspect keeps popping up over and over again. It's like, I have to do this for Kimmy. I have to get the Turbo Man. I have to... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like everything about Kimmy. Kimmy, it's Kimmy, literally Kimmy, the Kimmy. Turbo Man doll. Yeah, yeah, it, it's 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 tiresome because yeah, because that, this, this fucking too... doll plot is so tiresome. Actually, that like it, it, it became feel it, it was less like a three dimensional, and it was almost a joke. It, like it was like what four episodes in, and he was like, "I still need to get this doll spike." And you're like, yeah, "What the fuck?" It, like that was way <laughs> too long a plot line for that. So it's like they would like. Because they needed it to be a through line, it became inelegant. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I think that would be my, like, at this point, my greatest, like, criticism of the show. They didn't trust episodic or, like, it could have remained episodic and been good, but they had to Netflix it. Yeah, they also made these episodes really long. They really shouldn't. (laughs) These episodes are way too long. There's one thing I wanted to do, which was just really quickly, there's only 10 episodes. I wanted to just really quickly look at each episode and compare it because it it invites comparison. Sure. So just compare it to their counterpart. So like episode one. So that one is comparing a few things. It's actually stolen the intro from the movie, but then still has the intro. Actually, yeah. Then that was a weird little bit of like tone setting because that scene more so than the rest of the show depicted our heroes as like kind of sadistic and awful yeah they're like super cool with just killing people left and right which makes jet seem very different weird later when he's very much like what are we doing you know like how could we be doing these things yeah and also it's like the the bounty that they collect is some guy who's like hey corporations suck you know like capitalism is ruining everything and then they come like take him down and his compatriots they laugh while doing it they kill these people. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, uh, are these, are these the good guys? Yeah. It makes it, it's almost like a cynical opening, right? It makes, it's like, it's something you would expect in like a RoboCop almost where like, kind of sort of like a Paul Verhoeven style, like, like, like cynical satire of this type of thing where it's they're like assholes. They, yeah. Instead yeah. of bebop people, they tried to turn them into Pulp Fiction people. Yeah, but at least Pulp Fiction, even Pulp Fiction, they try to then be like, okay, they're so they're so used to this that they are like this. But they have emotions. They go to bars, and I mean, they, I mean, they go to they go to breakfast diners and talk about their feelings. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I would argue that this is like a person who missed the point of of Pulp Fiction people. <laughs> like it's their depiction of someone of Pulp Fiction people without understanding Pulp Fiction people. Yeah, just the style of it, and then the 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 broad, like, the broad casual murder is casual murder yeah. is funny. Yeah, and it's I don't know. And then they redo the intro for episode one. Um, and then they go into the Asimov plot with the red eye. 
Right. So they and, try to start off with episode one, Asteroid Blues, or an adaptation of Asteroid Blues. Yeah. And it it's a very strange adaptation because I guess she wants to go with Asimov, Katerina, because she's trying to run away from her dad. But then that's how you get Faye to come in. But Oh, then, yeah. I forgot that that was how they tweaked it. Yeah. So that's why Faye can show up early. But then, you know... The ending is different. It's a very different tone to the ending because instead of Katarina realizing that she can never be safe, kills Asimov, and then lets herself be killed by the police. Wait a minute. Now I'm starting to remember, like, was episode one um, the bartender person that they replaced? Was that just Mao? Mao, Was that Mao Yenrai? Or their depiction of Mao Yenrai? The bartender person? Yeah, the the bartender person that they like wasn't the same bartender person from the anime. Uh I don't think so. Because Mao Yenrai was um Mao Yenrai worked at like some sort of like steel mill. It was a blacksmith or something. It was weird. I was wondering if maybe that was like the Oh, never mind. No, no, it wasn't there. Yeah, it's just I, I went back to the episode to just check because I thought it was a, it was potentially another one of those like ultra condensation things where it's like, hey, no, by the no, way, it's just, it's just a Rai. random, just a random actor who's giving a terrible performance at the bar. <laughs> yeah, that was um, a weird little replacement. But like the ending of the episode is strange because in the original, uh, it's because Katarina realizes she can never escape. Whereas in this, it's uh, Asimov got accidentally shot, dies, and then she decides to commit suicide by cop right which is weird um that makes us makes it kind of a weird ending compared to like a tragic ending yeah it's a change that is kind of baffling because you don't know why they made it yeah like either way there there is there is some explanation as to like oh i could never go back to my dad my dad's terrible but like it doesn't feel motivated enough it just feels kind of like we're gonna recreate the ending and we gave a really quick reason you know but she has to do it herself you know and in episode two is way too much vicious and Julia stuff combined with random Teddy Bomber. Yeah. So that's that. It's just Teddy Bomber. So that's fine. Um, not really even as a plot point, but just more of like filler. There, There is no real plot going on, which I guess is probably kind of, that's kind of the point of Teddy Bomber in the original as well. But there was another plot going on that was fun. Whereas in, in the second episode of this series, it's just vicious syndicate bullshit, which no one wants. Yeah, like episode two was the beginning of like Julia and Vicious are going to be the permanent B story of this series and you're going to love it. Yeah, yeah. And then episode three is the Ayn episode where we meet Abdul Hakim and we see porn on the roof. <laughs> it's just the word porn. It's just the, okay, the best part. No one can see yeah, it. The best part of the porn is that at the first angle, it looks like, oh, it's because we're at a lower angle. It's probably like a porn a porn neon sign in the distance or something, right? It just happens to be at that angle we're seeing it. You get closer, you realize it's actually a small sign on a ledge, on an angle on the roof that only people on the roof could see. (laughs) It's so baffling. It's such a baffling production design choice. Like, who who put that there? Why would you just write the words porn on the roof so prominently that you're distracted from everything else in the scene. That's another thing I wanted to say about the show is that the cinematography is baffling. There's so many lighting choices that draw your eye away from what the action is. <laughs> like, I don't know why it's shot like that. I know, I know TV's shot quickly. Series are shot quickly, but you know, you could 
try to light more than not at all. Like, I don't know, make some decisions. <laughs> I don't know. It just felt really odd. Anyway, then you have uh, the fourth episode, which was the eco-terrorist episode. And they made that one really gruesome by having the people explode into trees in a really gruesome, bloody fashion. Yeah, in, in the in the sh- original show, they turned into or they reverted into like ape like yeah. monkeys, which is like but, horrifying in its own way, but it's not as like gruesome as people exploding. And they didn't show it to you. I don't think they had even one instance of like a live transformation occur on screen. They had they had a guy trapped in a pod, like already half ape, and being like, "Oh no!" in a shirt. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like it was like quick flashes of the yeah, but it wasn't recently like transformed and yeah. someone who was mid transformation. But it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't like body horror like and that. It f- and it felt like such a tonal shift, like a like a like a whiplash. They didn't it didn't fit the, the tone of everything else to me. It was kind of bewildering. Um, I mean, it was it was all right, and I, I was okay with the tonal shift, but it just didn't come together. Yeah, and to be fair, the Cowboy Bebop, the original show, because it was episodic, did have shows in massive tonal sh- episodes of massive tonal shifts. Yeah, as well. it, which like, is a, yeah. which is one reason why I'm like totally cool with it. Um, yeah. But then, oh right, now I remember the, the big like problem that I ended up having at by the end of it was like you got rid of the 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 way they resolved it yes the, the gate, original the resolution to that episode was so much cooler they the gateway the the chase in the gate and all the missiles and and saving and act they actually saved the planet yeah and by making the by making like that that payload like f off in hyperspace where it can't touch anything i mean to be fair they say the planet in this one as well like isn't it what was it was it Faye that slams into it and saves the planet from exploding Oh, I guess the you're right. Yeah, so that happens too, which is fine. It's just not as interesting or as exciting as the gate chase. Uh, and the gate. also, there was they didn't use too good, too bad. I wanted to hear yeah. that music, and I didn't hear it. Yeah, Th- that, is that song used in the show at all? Nope. Why? Once. It's it's one of their best action songs. Yeah, like it. it it's it's great in Gateway Shuffle, or no, not Gateway Shuffle. It's great in Wild Horses, and yeah, it's and great wild, it's in- like the 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 peak the wild horses builds up to that sequence you know it's so good it's so fucking like, good watching a space shuttle launch to too good too bad is so it's good so fucking hype <laughs> it's the best that that guy with the baseball cap the baseball loving guy like on the hood of it you know like, yeah uh, it's so good oh it's, it's great it's so well choreographed and edited like okay i say i feel like season two the best way they could possibly save it is to just go all in on adapting all of the side stories that they tried to push out of the show for Vicious and Julia before. But they can't. And now just okay, <laughs> now that Vicious and Julia are now in a state where, you know, Julia is like the head is, of the Yeah, the, de facto head of the syndicate <laughs> and Vicious is tied reason. up in a in a in a locker. <laughs> I was about to say the head of the Ku Klux Klan. I don't know why <laughs> I thought that. <laughs> That's completely different. Yeah. Uh, she's the head of, she's the grand wizard of the syndicate. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Granted, th- those those crazy masks that they had for yeah, like, the elders were so pretty stupid. racist for yeah. no reason. Yeah. It's, it, I don't, it, it was, look, That's an example it looks of, like the of show. Like, yeah. It's just slavish, like aping of the show, but for no reason, contorting herself to a oblivion trying to make it work like whatever and then, <laughs> um what was after that oh after that was uh, uh jet's udai taxim episode where we realized that the guy fucking his wife is actually a good guy that's the real revelation right <laughs> I, I was like marginally okay with this because jet was 
probably my favorite of the cast members and it yeah he, this was we predicted that would be the best episode of the series and i think it didn't because the next episode i think ended up being better which was uh the brain scratch episode yeah like uh binary two-step episode six uh spike ends up in the brain scratch facility and, and the they, way they depict it is really cool. <laughs> yeah, they actually, this was like the one unique idea that they had that was completely different from the show, but I dug really, I, I really dug it because. Yeah, if you wanted to like go for visual style, go for something stylistic and interesting, this is great. This The ending was really stupid. Yeah. They had to go all the way to Earth to blow up the mainframe, which makes no sense. But whatever, like the actual like ongoing part of it was interesting. You know, it, like the, the part where he's really obsessed with Julia is like fine, but it's a catalyst for things happening within the simulation. So that was all fine. I think that was good. That was pretty good. And then you had uh, the Whitney Hagas Matsumoto episode, right, where it's her mom instead. And it turns out it's that and they're hustlers. And uh, the episode, this was interesting because we originally were being like, hey, look, uh, Faye's character is kind of interesting now. And she's acting okay, and the way and she, the way she's interacting with her mom is kind of interesting. And then it fell apart super hard, <laughs> and uh, the ending where it turns out her mom is like running away from this mob guy as a big, but only pretending to because they're just having a like a, a, a kink hunt, a big kink. It's a big sex fantasy. Is just bewildering. Um, yeah, it's not. It's not the pop that I want. It's not funny. It's just stupid. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I, oh, wait, something that I had written down in my notes is watching this. Uh, what, what's the name of the person who played Faye? Uh, Daniela Pineda. Um, watching her as Faye reminds me of watching Olivia Munn on The Daily Show. Yeah. She has that same energy, right? She or- has that energy of like someone who is like trying to deliver lines that don't sound good coming from her but she's really committed to really trying to make it work yeah it's it's like she's she's writing dialogue that isn't suited to her and then we have pierre lafou um which is kind of just straightforward pierre lafou there was that was actually one of the closest adaptations from the episode yeah um it was pretty straightforward they fight and they just like tweaked the the cat angle to become a dog so that ein could do his thing yeah um which is fine if you want to consolidate, that's actually a great way to consolidate. Yeah, it's, um, a, it's an easy little tweak. And then uh, after that, we had the worst episode of the series, which is a Spike Julia Vicious full backstory episode. It's um, really bad. It's really bad. We, we already went into detail about why it's terrible, but it's just so bad. Like everything about it is like completely <laughs> uninteresting because it, like the show screeches to a halt like the second to the last episode to dump everything that you don't care about. Yeah, and then the, the the stupid part is that when the next episode happens, episode 10, there's p- little parts of it that the characters recap anyway. So it, it, it really sucked that they fully like explained the episode when <laughs> I feel like they yeah. didn't have to, you know? Like yeah. everything about how Spike was or what he did before the syndicate is like, it's truly uninteresting. It's so boring. Um yeah, I mean, and, and it was boring before. The issue is that you focused on it. Yeah, you just don't. And also, by focusing on it, you made it less mysterious, which makes it less interesting. It's like the, it's a Wolverine problem. Once you explain Wolverine's backstory, he becomes less interesting. The same thing, you know. It's yeah. Like, and then we had the with the finale, which was basically the uh, what's it fucking called? Um, the the Ballad of Fallen Angels episode. Um, 
yeah, they they've the yeah, they just converted Ballad of Fallen Angels yeah. into a slightly modified well, they slightly modified Ballad of the Fallen Angels to copy some beats from the actual finale of the anime as well. Yeah. Um but it's all worth it to get to Ed at the end. <laughs> Finally, and, the and show for, can really begin. And for Faye's amazing line, here comes the ouch motherfuckers. All for that. Yeah. Ten episodes. It's what we it's what we needed. And uh, you know, this this the also this is the thing I missed. Um the end of the episode, the 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 bounty that Ed wants Spike to find. Is, is the, uh, Vincent Villaggio. Yeah, the antagonist from Knocking on Heaven's Door. The movie. Yeah, which makes me think they're going to do Knocking on Heaven's Door as a plot for the entire season two. I would hope it's not for the entire season two, although they could easily stretch it out that far. It's like, hey, new lead on Vincent, um, yeah. like every two episodes or so. They're going to do that. Um, because they're going to love the idea of there being like a second spike. Yeah. And they're going to make that like, the They'll get stone. Topher Grace to be, <laughs> to be Vincent. Uh, what was what was the actor that? And every it, time he talks, he'll pull back his hair to make sure we see his face. <laughs> what was um uh, uh what was the actor who played Kumar? What's his name? Uh, um, Cal Penn. They should just have Cal Penn. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? Full circle. I, I'm down yeah, for that. Make it full circle. Yeah, fuck it. Um, yeah, that was that's. It's N- just, now I unironically want that to be their choice. <laughs> it's Get just Kumar when you Vincent. when you when you compare the episodes that way, it's just really clear that either all of the choices are like either just the same, so nothing changed, or the choices they made were worse. Yeah. And I that's think the, kind I think of the, the closest, problem. The closest thing to a better choice is Whitney Hagas Matsumoto being like a, a grifter mom. I think that's kind of interesting, but yeah. executed poorly. Yeah. You know? Well, because it's the way it just dismantled itself at the end, it's like you re involved yourself in Faye's life just for the sex thing. Yeah. And it's it's like the writers didn't care. <laughs> and like and the fact that you allowed her to procure that VHS of herself like was completely immaterial to your sex thing. Yeah. It, so like you're actually not all that important. There's also just two things that I found one was really annoying. It's like a minor thing, but it's it, the the opening, you know, sequence title sequence. Mm-hmm. They recreate almost <laughs> everything B for beat, right? Like in terms of the at least the timing, but there's a part the part where the three guns are shooting, right? Yeah. When it's in the side profile, there's no recoil. The guns on, are perfectly still. Well, like, isn't it just one gun that has like a recoil? Isn't it just the bottom one that actually does a bit of a lift? Does it? Does it actually lift? I don't even. I can't I think, even. I think just the bottom does a lift. <sighs> I mean, let me let me double check really quickly. Um, but I I don't know. No, none of them move. <laughs> but the the thing that annoys me is that in the shot where they're all shooting at the camera right afterward, they do recoil. So you could have done it. Oh, wait, then I think I was just thinking of the wrong sequence of it because they show you two angles of the guns, right? Yeah. And I was just like, okay, it's a really minor point. But, <laughs> but it annoyed really annoying. you every time and you took and you pointed it out every yeah, episode. It, was, so. it just kept bothering me. And the other thing I found really funny is that the way fi- Faye finds out where her original house was, was that she used basically Photoshop clone 
<laughs> oh yeah yeah that was really bad yeah like ai clone filling in to extrapolate a street like she used content aware filling <laughs> yeah to, content aware fill yeah to expand the borders enough she, so that she was able to read a sign that it reconstructed it'd be hilarious on its own if if photoshop is just like i don't know i'll just put a street name in yeah <laughs> that's basically what she's going off of maybe maybe that'll be the thing and then she only got the idea because she saw a random poster at the amusement park, which was so weird. Um, well, yeah, it's like the house that was on the poster seemed to match what was in the tape. How? Why? I don't know. <sighs> I mean, the contents of the tape were fairly faithful. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing. Oh, but they didn't have to get a beta beta deck to see it. Best part of the show by far. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we didn't even. Bo- oh, God. I, I feel bad because we didn't even bring it up until now. Um, but the absolute best part of the show, bar none, and everyone better agree with us on this, <laughs> is the Big Shot TV program. It's perfect. It's the most pitch perfect thing that they did on the show. It's like yeah. the best thing. It's perfect. And it's like, like it's, it's, it's just, it's basically because it's just exactly like in the show, but it's done with such enthusiasm that I love it. Like everyone's everyone involved, you could tell is super enthusiastic about yeah, recreating it, it's this. The one aspect of the show where going ham and just doing a bad cosplay of it is exactly what you should do. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. And then and then the actors they chose are perfect for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They they chose the perfect people for it too. Yeah, honestly, it's a, sh- it's a shame that this only showed up twice. Yeah, yeah. I, they, I wanted way more of it. Like the, the the episode where they were doing this, the, there's like a kind of a, a interesting episode where Spike and Faye are kind of hanging out. And Big Shot keeps playing in the background. But they're right, like, oh, right. we got another one. Kind of like, and that was kind great. Of live yeah. updating which bounties are being yeah. scored. And that was a great combo of, hey, we're getting some character development between Faye and, and uh, Spike. Yeah, and yeah, also, that, that's, that's good. Big uh, Shot's I'll happening. Give that. I'll give him that. <laughs> yeah, so, Big Shot was so good. Yeah, it was, it was great. It was the best part of the show by far. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you for remembering to, to bring that up like because that that this show does deserve that like yeah i i, I, I bet give you that was credit. like some sort of second unit photography and <laughs> probably yeah, yeah it, it like because it would have just been like probably one day of shooting oh all yeah on one set yeah all on a green screen and yeah, exactly like, and know. like they probably just had a good good old time and they like whatever they got back was like this shit's amazing yeah, even the, the the black guy is like, "Hey there, Bakaroo!" It's perfect. Like the <laughs> yeah, like they adapted the dub version of of him of Punch yeah. like perfectly. That was great. Oh man! And then like they captured their dynamic really well too, where she's like kind of doing it because she has to for a show. <laughs> yeah, and she's mad that he stole her line, and like it's great. Yeah, it's, 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 it's like the it's, part of the show they understood the most. <laughs> it's like it's like a really sophisticated anime expo like skit competition. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's what you want for that. It's good. It was great. Yeah. Well, let's. I give the show a two out of ten. Two out of ten. You know what? I agree with that. It's pretty bad. <laughs> I like, cannot recommend. I it cannot to recommend it to anyone, including like fans of the show. You're going to be frustrated. Um, people, even people who haven't seen Cowboy Bebop and have no investment in it, like Sarah, just found it really boring and walked away. Yeah, and <laughs> like, I can't recommend it like to non fans of Bebop because I don't. I don't know if there's anything here that's that's all that great. Um, yeah. Besides, because. Um, like if you're the type of person who just has to know like how does this look on screen the thing that I can recognize 
you can you can scrub through and and find those things and and see how they're handled and just go to a convention and every so often if like if you're just like someone who's like into like set design only and wants to see what like the swordfish plane looks like when it's flying but it's cg so it's not yes seek out those bits if you want um (laughs) the show itself overall kind of strange choice is that they had the swordfish they had phase like escape pod ship halfway through the show she gains it from her mom but -hmm. jet does not have his one-armed sailing ship doesn't have the hammerhead the trawler yeah he has a a motorbike well why they had to cut budget somewhere it's cg i mean getting the asset made is still is still a thing and you also once you have it you need to commission the animation scenes (sighs) and stuff that it would require and justify its use and Cause like some of the best ways it was utilized was like in Asteroid Blues where he like comes in and like, like kind of crushes some cars with it. Yeah. And that would have been a pretty elaborate SFX shot. Oh, well, they would, you would need to, you would almost certainly have to do stuff with the, the hook and pulling shit and, but that's yeah, what, yeah. but like I, I always love. It's loved- a pretty physical, it's a pretty physical ship. And I, but I always love that they had like these ships that were really good, like avatars of their personality, you know? Oh yeah. Of course. Like, 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 you like know, everyone has a Zord. Yeah. It's a, it's their Zords. You yeah. know, Fa- Faye's ship is essentially an escape pod because she wants to escape, you know? And it's uh, really only big enough. Well, actually all of them are only big enough for themselves pretty much. Yeah. They like, they're, they can kind of squeeze other people in, but it's uncomfortable, you know? Like jets, yeah, jets aside from the fact that they both have metal arms <laughs> is that, you know, it's, it's like nonviolent. It doesn't have a weapon on it. Right. Know? And that's kind it's of very point. utilitarian and yeah. jet. Meanwhile, is like a flying ace. Yeah. Sort of a dog fighter. Oh, you mean, uh, you mean spikes? What did I say? He's a jet. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Yeah. And yeah, spikes I is I was, like, I was thinking of the, of spikes swordfish as a jet. Yeah, it is a jet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it's funny. Cause it's like, it's great. I mean, it's great. Cause it's like, you know, this is a world where technology exists where you could just hover away, but, <laughs> but he, yeah. he intentionally uses a ship that has to go fast. You know, he has no choice, but to go fast, basically. I guess that's true. Which is a detail I really liked, you know, and it's got, you know, the really cool laser gun that is like one really strong shot, you know. Actually, now now that now that I meant or now that we're thinking about it, I don't think we had even one like actual like dog fight or like space space vehicle like chase. We had space vehicle stuff happening, like obviously Faye saved the planet from the eco terrorists and stuff like that, but nothing interesting enough. I think that was nothing where they like do that really cool camera work where they like pull around like do like uh loops GoPro style tracking shot and like you know see the bullets yeah no warping. no tracking bullets or anything yeah. like that and all that set to music that's what you want it's one of the best parts of the action of cowboy bebop it's not just the kung fu and gunplay it's uh, the, the spaceships yeah dog fights uh, and so if they choose to adapt knocking on heaven's door as a major component of season two i would hope they spend some special attention to a, a dog fight with spike's ship because if they don't that's a real it's a real big shame oh they might bring an electra too that happens yeah they might as well or they, they would have to if they want to really adapt it and now they're kind of starting for characters and if julia has rejected him officially as of the end of this season electra's the new love interest for him you see Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, I, I'm convinced now. <laughs> you, gonna, you've given me the trajectory. And they might even make love triangle between Spike, Electra, Faye. They could. 
They could if they wanted to. They're already to. kind of hinting oh, at God, it. Oh God, what if Vicious Never? tries to work with Vincent in this second season? Oh, he escapes easily. and he's like, I, I that know. Could really easily happen. I can find you, Spike. That could so easily happen. Ew. <laughs> That's what yeah. I have to say about that. Oh, I just, I just realized. Um, the here comes the ouch, motherfucker. Is actually not the worst line in the show. The worst line in the show is actually, is this blackmail? Because you're black and male. It's like, it's a really dumb line, but I, I characterize it as it is far dumber than it is racist no it's just so dumb <laughs> yeah it, it like it, it's 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 like uncomfortable and then really really stupid on top of yeah, it. it's like there, there's a racial element to it that's kind of provocative just because it's like they're bringing attention to this but it's also like yeah. once you put under any scrutiny it's like why would you say this yeah exactly any sense yeah it's like do you want his black cock? Is that why? Like, <laughs> there's nothing intelligible implied by what you're saying. Uh, it's uh... so yeah. It, it's a pretty bad line. Well, also special shout outs to I'm not going to carry that weight, <laughs> which I, I am adamant is said twice in this show. <laughs> you only remember it towards the end, but I, I I think it was said in episode two or somewhere where they were like, "You're not going to carry that weight," or "I'm not going to carry that weight." I don't remember, so if anyone listening can identify the other one, feel free. Yeah, let us but, know. Uh, okay, boy. and granted, the way they stuck it in was a little more context, like it had enough context for it to make sense as a line, mm-hmm. but don't use that line. Don't use it. Just don't they use or- that They line. originally didn't even, they only used that line as a reference to a Beatles song because all of the song titles, lots of things are references to existing songs. It's not because a character is saying there's a, a burden I need to carry. <laughs> well, this chucked it up to another like thing about the like the showrunners kind of misunderstanding what is cool and important about the original source material. Yeah. Yet another um, thing. Culminating in the fact that they waited till the very end of the season to give you Ed as though it's like, hey, here is. They, like, were, this, they thought it's a huge they pop thought off. thought this would be a reward. They thought it would be like, here she finally is, guys. You've been waiting. You've been asking about her. She's not in the intro. Where is she? Oh, God. Here she is. We had a gaping hole in the intro for 10 episodes. You, <laughs> you asked for it. <laughs> here it is. Oh. Enjoy. Eat up, piggies. <laughs> Enjoy this product. <laughs> oh, that she's like Pee Wee Hermaning it a little bit. Oh, that poor actor. Oh boy. Or I guess they are. They're so excited for for the role too. Uh, yeah, and and that that's the <laughs> other thing that breaks my heart because like before we saw the last two episodes, I happened to see that Netflix featurette about Ed. Yeah, and 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 you know how excited Eden Parkinson. Yeah, or, I think that's I think that's their name. Yeah. Or Parker or, or something. Eden uh, Parkins. Parkins. Sorry. Yeah. Parkinson's is the it's name a of a bad disease. That sucks if your name Parkinson. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> that, that's just your name, man. But that, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I'm also feel sorry for like Katrina's. Um, oh yeah. Oh Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Where was I? Luckily oh, nothing bad is named Marvin yet. So <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. You can it well, you can be the first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the bad one they refer to. <laughs> yeah. Don't be a Marvin. <laughs> yeah, you'll be you'll be the one to set the example. Oh boy. 
Uh, <sighs> but yeah, I saw that featurette and I just like the whole time watching her say like, oh, this character's so great. And I love this part about her in the original show. And the costume is so great. And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. This poor person. I'm, I just feel really... <sighs> Because she kind of has that energy that I've actually seen at an anime convention. Yeah, like they're just excited to be cosplaying, you know? Yeah, they're just excited to be there. And, and I in think like, like, I think they're younger. I, no one's, I can't find a confirmation for their age. But I think the thing is that they're probably at most probably like 16. I want to say that she, yeah, well, yeah, they, they they must be a minor. Yeah. Or they definitely came off as like you know, younger than 18 for I sure. I don't want that for them at all. This is not worth it. Bail, bail while you can. Yeah, poor, poor, poor Eden. It's not um, worth it. Get out of there, Perkins. Uh, you don't, you don't want to get Jake Lloyded. <laughs> just uh, fix that hair. Holy moly. <laughs> yeah, it's like they don't understand why the, like the character of Ed had that hair. What's crazy is that they, they did give up on Spike. Yeah, that that was good. They made an okay remember, decision remember about him. Spike, yeah, they were just like, his hair is just big and messy. And Move that's on. fine. That's yeah. all they needed. <laughs> and like, that is the best way they could have interpreted Faye it. Faye was kind John. of infuriating that her hair was blue, but sure, whatever. Maybe in the future, we dye hair like that all the time. Whatever. People do that now. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm th- that's, that's no problem. But it's, don't make it that awful like it, it's it's way too red, like you know, slavishly close, and also they like styled Wendy's. it with like this weird gel that, like, it's not even full either. Yeah, you see, it's flat her on top. Forehead <laughs> through her bangs. It's so strange. I, I don't I don't understand it. Ah, it's and it's a wig too. It's the worst of all of the the styling choices out of all the characters. Like Vicious looks terrible. Um, Spike's suit looks too big. Faye's general outfits are fine, actually. I think I think they work quite well given um what's yeah, going on. That costume feels so much like it feels like the afterthought. Like I'm thinking of video games where it's like the the character that they didn't m- need to make playable. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, but is part of the story anyway. But they didn't have that much time. Just... Or like the extra costumes you get, but like because they were extra costumes, they're not like mapped or they're not like. Kind of sort of correctly, you know. Yeah, it's almost like yeah, it's like here's (laughs) here's the here's the reference costume for Batman in Arkham City. Yeah, yeah, and like this is as close as as we can get it to the comic book look in this style. It's gonna look shitty, but this is what you get when you try. Yeah, it's not great. Anyway. I don't know. Do you have, have any final thoughts? I feel like we've roasted this fucking show. <laughs> yeah, we, we kind of meandered a bit. So, sorry if uh, it was a little not organized for you. It's fine. It's just, I I, I just, I, I I didn't come in with high expectations. No, um, yeah, and I didn't but either. I, but like, I, I, expected it, I expected it to be bad, uh, which is why I don't, like, which is why I don't want to just keep on saying it's bad it's bad it's bad I, I'm, were, I'm hoping were, that we yeah. were adequately um clear about why we thought it was bad and i and think it that, wasn't just strictly the fact that it wasn't faithful to the source material. no no not at all there's like changes that i think are actually good ideas just executed badly and i also think that there were moments in the show where i was like this is working you it's know. starting to work. There are bits to work. and pieces where it's like, you know. this can start to work. Brain Scratch was pretty good. It was starting to work. You know, uh, 
Mustafa Shakir going off and doing his own side story was starting to work. It was a little, it's a little too stylized. The fact that he went back into his whole full suit and that's that was a criticism we had was like it doesn't make sense character wise for him to go back to his old suit because the whole yeah. point is that the suit was a past version of himself and yeah. he would not present his to his old partner as his past self. You know, he would and nor and his old partner had also like changed from that time period yeah. as well. He wasn't still wearing the old detective getup. Yeah, is yeah, exactly. So it felt strange. If they both did it, it's kind of be like, "Hey, we're both having one last ride or something, right?" You know, maybe that could be it. But that's not the that's not the thing I got across. It just seemed more of like, "Well, we got to put Jet back in that suit that he's in, in the show." Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> I guess there is multiple instances where they missed an opportunity to tell, like, to Im, Im, impart Do storytelling story with with, with costume. costume design. Yeah, it's yeah. Like you, Anna also looked exactly the same in the in the past as she did in in, in present day yeah like yeah oh my god that was so bewildering right <laughs> yeah like like sure uh fearless well we didn't even address the the fact that spikes uh, yeah his 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 his, his gangster is name is fearless. I, actually, I'm okay that, again with that. that's also fine and that actually addresses a point that didn't make that much sense in the original show is if he was always just spike spiegel couldn't they just like look him up on the internet <laughs> yeah, like he should be findable you know? as Spike if he's just Spike. Yeah, you know, it was strange that no one was trying to track him down because yeah, they definitely still, wanted like, him dead. He's in some sort of system collecting bounties as Spike yeah, Spiegel. Like exactly. you have to be able to track him. Yeah, he has a very weird name, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so that made sense actually. <laughs> yeah, so that, that was that, that was good. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you had sparks of interesting things starting to happen here and there like Faye and spike comparing bounty hunting notes was fun you know right like it it seemed to get a little better when characters had time to like breathe and yeah breathe and and talk to each other which is what the original show did that was good when character development was happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, to get back to the point I like came to a head with earlier in in this review or discussion, the the worst part of the show is that they focus too much on progressing plot lines that were uninteresting and not letting the characters like they didn't let it be character driven anymore. Yeah, and that's what the old episodic format al- allowed for and was good at, and they did away with that for this. Yeah. Maybe maybe they'll try to make it episodic next season. Maybe they'll take criticisms to heart because there's a lot of criticism for the show. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> it's uh, it's getting roasted. Um, there are a lot of defenders, but I think the defender defense is pretty meek. You know, it's like it's kind of like the same how people were defend. Some people were defending Iron Fist, and it's like there's not much to defend here. Well, the defense usually boils down to, well, I liked it. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it's like you can't expect it to be 100% faithful to the old show. That's usually one of the first things. That yeah, they're like, look at all these nerds who don't like it because it's not the same as the that's show. That's not why. That's not why. That's not why. In fact, there's some parts that are too much like the old show. Yeah, and and I'll reiterate, there is there's a base level, like high difficulty to adapting this anime. There's a yeah. lot of anime bullshit ed- edgelord dumb that doesn't translate well to live action it needs to be smoothed out those edges you have need to, to be mess rounded. with it correctly yeah. <laughs> for it to work and it just didn't yeah you know. almost modernized in sensibility you know a lot of these sensibilities really hit really hard in the 90s i can imagine someone watching this anime now and thinking it feels a bit like to probably like harder to contend with the characters believabilities at least at first and before they start talking you know 
Like your design. I can see someone like getting five episodes in, getting to Ballad of Fallen Angels like now in a, a modern blind watch of it and be like, who the fuck is this edgelord? Like yeah, Vicious yeah, comes yeah. out of nowhere and he's way edgier than anything else in the show before it. Like everything else feels more katana? realistic than he does. Yeah. <laughs> he's like from a different show. Yeah, which was the point of his character. Yeah, like, like it, it he was supposed really... to be anachronistic. He did, he was supposed to not make sense in their world, which is why he had to destroy like as, like organizations. Yeah, he was, he was very disruptive in every way. And yeah, he, was he had like... to destroy things to make his worldview work. That's how he functioned. Um, but... So, like making him part of the entire show yeah. thus was a bad idea. Yeah, and they just didn't like. Okay, they did their best to change him into something that could be developed over that period of time. Mm-hmm. But what they went with, I wasn't digging. Yeah, he just became. It's, it's, it was. He just became that trope of I am the boss's son and I'm a big baby and I want what's yeah. mine. Yeah, he he became um fucking uh what's his name uh, Joaquin Phoenix from Gladiator. <laughs> okay, I I haven't seen Gladiator. Oh, so. you haven't seen Gladiator? Yeah, basically he's like the son of the emperor and he's assuming he's going to become the next emperor. All and I then, know is that I am not entertained. Yeah. <laughs> Are you not entertained? No, <laughs> not today. Oh, another gripe. They, Faye's like, you know, big, Faye never had a big scene where Piano Black played. Yeah. I I mean, there's a lot of iconic songs that just Piano Black's so fucking good with that scene where she turns on. Wait, was there even an instance of uh, Rush or New York Rush? There was. I think it was used as a transition. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. See, it's just like, those are gimmies, man. I think they were literally running somewhere and then they cut away and then it stopped. Yeah, and they use what planet is this as a transition? Yeah, that was really bouldering too. <laughs> it's I mean, like, oh, don't, things gonna start. S- you're gonna start a thing. What? <laughs> yeah, and you're already you're already spinning those like hot tracks on before you even get to season two. If you're gonna do Velaju next, I, what a what a waste. You gotta <laughs> you gotta you gotta know how to use these things, man. Hey, you but, got other but, songs you could do, but we've we've established that they're more than willing to just reuse the same song over and over anyway. So. True. They'll just they'll just Jupiter jazz everything, and not even <laughs> one of the harmonica songs, Mm-mm. which could have been good for establishing scenes, but they never did it. Well, we they did like Spike, you know, like training alone. He in the plays bebop the harmonica, the- which is, or he listens to someone playing the harmonica, which is really odd. Like, oh yeah, he that- listens to Spooky Doki. That's right. That's right. Yeah, forgot, which is the weird. It's a, it's a weird way to introduce that. Like the music doesn't have to be diegetic just for that scene. Why not have it be non-diegetic? <laughs> well, I think that was... Okay, I will defend that decision in this instance because it was partially motivated by their wanting to recreate the opening of the movie. Because, like, his entrance into the convenience store in the movie, it's like, I'm too I'm too concerned with my bopping on my headphones to realize that this is a robbery. No, I mean, this is... This is I guess so. But I just mean other scenes in general, I guess. I, I believe uh, he walked in listening to Spokey Doki in, um, in the first episode of the Netflix show. Okay, I don't quite remember that part. I just remember, I think he was listening to Harmonica while lying on the couch. Yeah, that also happened. Yeah, and I remember thinking, like, you could just play songs. <laughs> yeah, I just replayed the little bit, and yeah, it's definitely Spokey Doki playing it's, on his... It's called, it's called making a show, you know? <laughs> you can just play songs. The audience realizes it's, doesn't, it's not from the world. It's fine. 
Anyway, yeah, okay. If if we if we try to boil down our hopes to season two now, what are you what are you gonna say? These are gonna be our oh, final. Oh god. Thoughts. Uh if they're gonna try to actually fix it. Yes. I think you need to start rewriting characters to actually fit actors. I've I've always been a really strong proponent of this. Yeah. And I think good directors like James Gunn or like 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 because I'm talking about like genre directors. Like James Gunn does this. Um the uh the guys who write for the Avengers movie, there's like Christopher Marcus and I forget the other guy, but like the broad stuff like that. But even like, you know, indie filmmakers, you know, they rewrite for the actors they've hired because it makes sense. Like you want to give your actors the best chance for their performance. Right. Well, I have, I have a fear that Danielle, what's her name? Daniela Pineda. Daniela Pineda actually acts like this. Like naturally, like this energy we're seeing from her is how a she bit, tends, yeah. to, tends to tends to hold. She she her. is very she's like generally kind of like uh more upbeat. Like I remember because we worked on back on my old job, uh, I worked tangentially on uh, behind the scenes featurettes and stuff for Jurassic World, Jurassic World Two, the whatever. Yeah, so Volcano I, Kingdom. <laughs> so I bring that up to to suggest that maybe in her case, don't write it to her. Or if you do, you Make have to write it to her other stuff. Write it to her strengths, though. You know, like it has to match what you think she's capable of as an actor. I think. Well, um, I, I do believe that they could write like. Well, okay, this ventures into make it more like the original show territory, but it's like if there was a little more of that world wariness, that could be a, could, another aspect yeah, of her character yeah. that they have yet to explore. Yeah. And like you can make her spunky without writing here comes the ouch. Well, she's like just write it better. She's she's the me she's the meme line generator. Don't do that. Don't do that. Like you can be spunky without being stupid. She has to say all the cr- the cringe slang and everything. I think the other thing they could do is just ditch the serialization and just focus on crafting set pieces. Yes, I I, I support that 100%. Because it's like, if you, like the way they focus so much on like a hallway fight in, in Daredevil season one, mm. make make the plane, the dog, the space dog fight that. Which is funny. They had a hallway fight in this show they did. as well. They yeah. did. They did. The Every Netflix, Netflix show needs to have a mandated fight. one shot <laughs> tracking fight scene. Oh, it was so funny when it was covered up by in every Marvel Netflix show. It happened in Daredevil. It happened in Luke Cage. I don't think it happened in Jessica Jones, but it happened in Iron Fist, and then it happened in the Defenders. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> gotta have one. Oh God, it was it was almost like comical. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. Uh, less less serialization, more focus on set pieces, because then you can set that to music. Mm-hmm. Um, better use of music. That's another hope. Yeah. And uh, and don't um, be afraid to just have like short stories that just end. Yeah. Like just end, like, the, d- end the don't, story. Don't make don't try to connect everything. The, the the problem is you're adapting from material that wasn't designed for that. So when you do it, it just feels wrong. So either serialize something that's completely different, right? Like create a new cowboy bebop story cuz you didn't do that. What you did was smear all of them together and make a bad one. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to serialize, make a good serialized Cowboy Bebop original story that isn't always a reference to something. Or if you are going to reference the material, then you have to contend with the fact that it wasn't designed for the serialization. Therefore, just, you know, make contained stories. It doesn't have to be one episode, 
but it might actually have to be if you're making these episodes this long as well, which is a, probably a Netflix mandate. Yeah. So you probably then maybe do want to make them single episodes. But if you think stories could be longer, you know, make them just two episodes or something like like. But don't be afraid to have cul-de-sac episodes like that don't like continue on. Just have it be episodic stop. You know, that's OK, especially if you have to adapt the material as you see it. And again, if you want to serialize, I prefer you make something completely different in terms of the story. Like you have to say, don't don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> my recommendation is if you're is a good don't. enough writer you could try you know a good enough writer I could definitely see making a good series. like I'll be honest I am story. not I'll be honest in saying that I am 100% uninterested in seeing anything original that this team can come up with that's fair yeah I mean like I'd love to give give them the benefit of the doubt that they could maybe do something but you're not wrong like it, it, the, the fact that that made pretty much Every choice is like wrong. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> There's a few choices that make sense or are good, but almost every choice is wrong. And um, well, my, especially my the choices that would, invite comparison, you know? Yeah. My concern would be that like Bebop characters, like they've always worked not as characters that are that involved with the serialized story. Mm-hmm. Like since everything you see about them is kind of like seen as reflected through their interactions with other characters in these one-off episodes or in the movie's case, just the movie. Mm -hmm. I don't know what sort of plot you could devise that wouldn't just severely involve them and their own backstory. And then also necessitate additional like overriding on things we don't need to know. I could see a world where if it was written well, I could see the (laughs) plot of, big if. Yeah, big if, but if it was written well, I can see the plot of Knocking on Heaven's Door becoming a serialized story. You would have to make justify a lot of it with good writing and good character beats and good set pieces. Yeah, you could turn like, okay, they've already established that Chariots Medical is a thing. They mm-hmm. can keep on like coming back to that, um, you know, develop some scenes and a cast of characters within that organization Electra yeah like imagine included. like imagine one thing i could think of is that like okay uh they found another bounty it happened to be connected to cheerious medical and they realize through this bounty there's some sort of conspiracy going on so they under the pretense of gathering more bounties they start collecting more and more people that are getting closer and closer to the plot then you know Along oh, yeah, the and way. they can do that thing where it's like the first bounty that they have to go after is that, you know, that a hacker dude with the glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like it, it, going after small fry that are doing jobs on behalf of Vincent and other things like that. Yeah. And then maybe like someone in the police department notices they're gathering a certain type of criminal that seems to all be connected with this thing. And it turns out they're working for Curious Medical and it becomes like a whole plot. And hey, you could do that. Uh, October's around the corner. Like, yeah. Halloween is approaching. You could do um, something if you thought about it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I there's enough there to like sprinkle in developments along that plot line. Yeah. Alongside other things. I mean Because I think it would be it would be very it would probably be a very bad idea to just adapt just that plot into an entire season. Yeah, yeah. I, I that's what I mean. Like you would have to fill you'd it out. To, yeah, you'd have to dole it out. But not artificially. You can't just be like stop plot, add a thing, move on. You know, you'd have to like, if you were going to do this, this plot, which I actually, given the fact that the epi- the last episode ends with them going after Vincent seems to be the point. Um, it seems like 
Yeah, it seems like the easiest way back into the show now, since everyone's kind of scattered, it's like Spike, for lack of anything else to do, goes after Vincent because Ed tells him to. Yeah. Jet gets word, uh, like gets involved with something independent that is also related. Like each individual will get involved with. Yeah. Turns out phase like some part of phase history connects with Chirius, you know. Yeah, it can all just lead back into Chirius. I I think that is definitely the groundwork they've been trying to lay out since the beginning. Meantime, Julia is trying to make some sort of deal with Chirius or something, trying to work with them. And she's having like, maybe she starts becoming a character. Maybe she starts having like moral quandaries about running a criminal organization and realizing that a lot of things they do are really bad. Maybe she wants to change things and maybe she doesn't know how she goes to Vicious for advice and Vicious is like, you're an idiot. And she starts reaching out to allies and she has to reach out to Spike, figure out what to do, you know, like things. Things could happen. (laughs) Any of that could happen. Characters. Uh, instead of wallowing the whole time worried (laughs) you know and being really hype about becoming a singer at a bar yeah yeah her two main character traits are she's really happy to be a singer and uh she's really worried about her future (laughs) and the heel turn came out of nowhere (laughs) Uh, like it's it's such a last minute heel turn where she becomes the head of the mafia like it makes no sense like, where did she get the balls to do that? Given her, know. given her like characterization throughout the rest of the show, where she's clearly driven by fear, not by like a sense of ambition or survival. Like, yeah, I think that's the probably. I think that was you just touched on it. It's a lack of ambition that makes it hard to believe. Yeah, she never like she just Since wanted everything to be is a always out of self preservation. A move that big is seems beyond her. Yeah, she originally tried to kill Vicious so she could get out of the syndicate. Exactly. So it feels like it feels like like an attempt on Vicious's life would be in character, but a, a move to like a coup to take over the organization that's that's a step too far. That doesn't make any sense. It's no, just complicating her life further. <laughs> yeah, because now she has to run the goddamn syndicate. How? And, she has, and it, the plot's probably going to be, she has no fucking idea how. Because she's a singer. <laughs> I mean, you'd hope that, or like, that's where you would expect it to go given what we've seen so far. But I can see her just being some... Somehow she's generic, badass at it. And just then, some generic villain that, yeah. you know... She's going to somehow end up being like super badass at it. And then like, blah, blah, blah. And like, knows exactly what to do and... Oh, Spike, I'm going to get you because you ruined my life. I guess. I don't know. know. Anyway, that was our discussion of Cowboy Bebop, the Netflix show. Yeah. And a little you agreed with us on everything we said (laughs) or else by now you must be pretty annoyed. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. I guess we also talked a little bit about the original show, which is. Go watch the original. It's also on Netflix. So you might as well just watch that one instead. <laughs> yeah. And wait, did Knock on Heaven's Door uh, end up on Netflix yet? I don't think so. I don't think that's on Netflix. Damn it. It's yeah. still it's still Paramount locked. Isn't that isn't that such a weird deal? Knock on Heaven's Door has with yeah. I don't know why. Like somehow. Well, I mean, the Paramount uh, contract gave them a bigger distribution than you would have expected because it actually ended up in like North American theaters for a while. Yeah. Yeah. But, so, it, but it made like things kind of weird didn't like the the actor played spike have to use a different name or something yeah he had to he had to be credited as david lucas yeah why what was, what was i don't that? know i don't know if it was a union thing it or, feels like a union thing right it, like yeah. it, that's the only thing that would make any sense to me yeah i don't know it's very weird 
It's very strange. And for and for a long time, I think you still can't get a proper Blu-ray. You 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 Blu-ray 1080p, but with 5.1 version of Knocking on Heaven's Door. I don't think it's possible. I think 5.1 only exists in the DVD version. Well, that sucks. Yeah, it's really strange. If, if I remember correctly, if if I'm wrong, I would love to get the the, the HD 5.1 version. Um, or I, it I, might be uh, in Japan only. That that's another thing. I think I think that's what I heard. It was like Jap- like uh, uh, Japan region only. But I'm not 100 percent sure. Hmm. Um, but anyway, Cowboy Bebop. Watch the anime instead. It's also on Netflix. You can also watch Knocking on Heaven's Door. You don't have to. It's not necessary to enjoy Cowboy Bebop at all. It's a great it's not movie, necessary, but, but it's 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 still great Bebop. It's a, material. It's a great movie. Like, if you're already yeah. a fan of the show, watch Knocking on Heaven's Door. Yeah, seek it out. Electra is a great addition uh, in terms of like very different type of femme fatale compared to Faye. I, I like the comparison with Victor as well. Victor is an interesting villain. No, yeah, like Knocking on Heaven's Door strikes me as like a, a very, very good example of the anime movie that is inconsequential to the overall plot, but still like great, good. <laughs> yeah, and it, it doesn't feel like you have it's to not suspend nothing. disbelief. <laughs> you don't have to suspend disbelief in order to understand it. Yeah, and, and if you take it within in the context of my the hero academia world heroes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's... I mean, it still has a little bit of it, a little bit of that problem of like it. This was a huge fucking deal that ordeal that we went through, and no one talks about it immediately afterward, which is fine because yeah. that's what Bebop. They go through huge shit all the time. And, true, true. So it, it works a little. You better assume for that them. they talked about it like the few for a few days afterward, but then that that took place off screen or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of the bit of the uh, assumption that. Oh yeah. yeah, and that's also another reason why it, it's it works so well as episodic stuff. It's because like every new thing that happens is like it's a chapter, it's an ordeal that ends, and then you don't have to you don't have to make fully see your, all the resolution of it. You, can, you don't you have can to assume keep talking things, about it because yeah. it's not a serialized story that needs to keep developing. You don't need to watch Spike get healed. Um, <laughs> you realize he'll get healed, <laughs> you know, and then he'll get called Swimming Bird. Yeah, yeah. Which he was uh, not in the show, but it's okay. I think yeah. we've talked about enough yeah, about this yeah. show. It's fine. Uh, we're gonna do. I think we're gonna do the Matrix Resurrections too. A discussion on that when it comes out. Okay. Um, uh, how did to. you want to do that? Did you want to just, or did you want to? Um, so I, I still want to do at least a commentary track for the first Matrix. At least I would love to do all three, but I don't think you guys <laughs> are willing to. Um, I'd be. I mean, time const- like. Timing it would probably be difficult, but I'd be down to like the concept I, I'm I'm not opposed to. Okay, we'll see. At the very least, I want at least a first matrix. It okay. is one of my favorite things of all time. Uh and I'm dying to know what the Matrix Resur- Resurrections is like. Uh I gonna- am actually at this point, I'm choosing not to view any more trailers for it because I just want to Oh, then I won't talk about what I saw in the newest like okay. trailer <laughs> teaser okay. clip thing where I was like, oh, I think this might say these things that I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, so um, that's what's going on. But yeah, I think we're going to do that later this month, December. Um, and then we have another podcast, Newbie Star Trek, where we, uh, Ricardo's not here and Sarah's not here, but they're the newbies of Newbie Star Trek. And we go through all of TNG at the moment and just watch it with them. And then we talk about it bullshit around uh tng is a fun stupid show so <laughs> yeah and uh, those episodes generation. tend to be ever so slightly more focused because there's a little less to go over yes yes we're, and then we have a more of a format yeah uh, where ricardo True. like 
drunk history style goes through the episode and explains it. Yeah, that's and a decent then, way to put it. Yeah, and then uh, Dan helps put things into historical context by explaining what happened around that time around the sun. Um, yeah, we, that's that's our other podcast, Newbie Star Trek. And then we also have our YouTube channel, which is Fugitive Games. And I think you just finished Metroid Dread. Sure did. Which means that uh, I don't know what we're streaming next. I think we're we should be continuing Paper Mario. Right, we that. we do we are on the hook for that. We wrap. We don't have any ongoing uh, LPs where you're controlling. Yeah, the action. I might just go ahead and do it, and maybe just go straight to either uh, Psychonauts two or to um, to call Bioshock Infinite, the sequel games instead of the originals. Uh, so we'll. I don't know. We'll see. Perfect. Yeah. Psychonauts 2, I might just play on a stream. I might just stream it. Um, yeah, I've, and then, I've and liked- me, I've been thinking about um, either circling back to the extra DLC cases on Great Ace Attorney 1. All oh, those or- extra DLC cases. Well, uh, I don't know if it's actual cases, but I think it's like there's DLC content um, that, that I didn't actually take a full, like, honest look at. So I'm interested to. Okay. And um, beyond that, I think I might start um, Deltarune. Ooh! If you do Delta Rune, let me know. I'd like to. I'd like to watch. Okay. I'd like to watch the runes of Delta. All right. Uh, then maybe yeah. I'll only do. Maybe I'll. Maybe I'll have like a a structure where if you're available, we do Delta Rune. If I if you're not available and I still want to play something, I'll choose something else. Yeah, that that works. Let's do that. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Sorry for anyone who's been keeping up with the channel. Also, sorry that the updates have been way less active. It's just. This is a lot on our plate, and <laughs> um, we've just have to start making uh, like decisions about um, which endeavors to get more involved in than others. And I just at this point, like we're just more into podcasting at the moment, I guess, than in uh, making LPs, which is like it's not something we want to stop doing, not by any means. It's just a more difficult thing to spend more time on right now, I guess, is the best yeah. way to put it. And, um, and I've been getting like, uh, part of the reason why we made the, the video game show in the very first place, cause like that was the first joint venture we had pretty mm-hmm. much uh, between you and I anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, part of my big motivation behind it was so that I could just force myself to play games in general. Yeah. I always feel like I'd never have enough time to, or like there's That's something true. else competing for my, t- my leisure time or whatever. Yeah. So, um, the fact that. I've kind of fallen into the habit of streaming games that I want to play right now, right now um, is like helping me out in that regard. And I'm cool with that for the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, that's probably a healthy approach we should take to it. Like if we want to just play the game, let's just play the game and record it or stream it. You know, I feel like that's, I feel like that's a good way to approach that. But yeah, that's, that's uh, this podcast you're listening to, Fugitive Frames Film Podcast, this newbie Star Trek, and it's also Fugitive Games. All of that, you can just go to FugitiveFrames.com. Links to that, all that shit right there. there. Yeah, just FugitiveFrames.com. If you're wondering why it's called FugitiveFrames.com, I guess that's the name of our little group (laughs) for the Fugitive Frames. Uh, I'm not sure if we ever explained why we're called Fugitive Frames. Uh, but it was Sarah's um, term for flash frames before she went to to like film school. She didn't know what they were called, so she called them fugitive frames. <laughs> I actually <laughs> never you, knew that. Yeah, because when you're editing, she was like, "Oh, there's so many of these fugitive frames." 
in your head. <laughs> in her head. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> I may actually even be not fully educated on what exactly a flash frame is. I have an idea. It's like, but- it's like one frame where it's just like something that shouldn't be there. Either it's a blank or it's like literally a flash frame where it's white or it's like a shot of something else that shouldn't be there for okay. one frame. Or, or more realistically, it's usually more than one frame. If you can catch it, it's like two or three. Okay. Um, if you're like editing, you it's much easier to catch. But if you're just watching a show casually, it's very easy to miss flash frames. Sure. Tons of stuff has flash frames and people don't realize um, that. But yeah. Okay. So there you go. There yeah. is the origin of Fugitive Frames <laughs> embedded in this episode. Random only. episode. <laughs> if you listen to the end, you got the Easter egg. Now you know for sure. <laughs> All right, this has been a really long episode. I'll see. We'll see you guys next time for whatever else comes next. See you around, guys. All right, everybody. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.